0: We got new merch, some new colorways uh, in the Be Good to Yourself collection. We've got hoodies in plum and moss. We've also got t-shirts in lilac, moss, and blue mist. I hope you enjoy those. Those are good colors. Get that hitter and more at theovonstore.com. I want to let you know that we have some new tour dates to announce. January 11th and 12th in Grand Junction, Colorado. We've added a new show there. January 13th, Pueblo, Pueblo, Colorado. January 14th, Denver. We have two shows there. January 15th, down in Fort Collin, Colorado. We're excited to be at the fort. And March 1st, 3rd, and 4th in Boston, Massachusetts and March second in Medford, Massachusetts. Those are all available at theovon.com slash T O U R, and that will be the Return of the Rat Tour. Today's guest um is a uh connector. He's a man that 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 bridges space between two things. He's a bridge. He's a you know. He might be a drawbridge at times. I don't know. We're going to learn just how he connects people, um, and we're going to talk about just his journey in journalism. Um, you may know him from All Gas No Breaks, uh, from French Quarter Confessions, um, or from his own Channel Five. Today's guest is Andrew Callahan. Shine
1: deodorant today. I, yeah.
0: I just got back into putting deodorant on.
1: Yeah. I actually didn't wear it for like a year, but then like just the past couple months, I don't know if my diet changed, but like the BO is back. Really? So I actually just gave myself a hand soap, like armpit bath in your in the podcast bathroom. Oh, wow. I like that. <laughs> no, I, didn't, I didn't know how close we were going to be sitting. So I was like, damn, I don't want you to be holding your tongue about my armpit odor the whole time. Yeah. You know, because that might send the interview in a different direction, subconsciously
0: yeah that's a good point man i i I hadn't thought about that i think uh there are people you get around them and when they got that that odor sometimes it repels you sometimes i notice it it's almost like a well it feels a little bit like uh not welcoming but there's a human yeah space in there that's kind of okay
1: Mm -hmm. like you're fallible like you smell like i do yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, okay, I'm gonna ride this guy, you know. <laughs> yeah, we, okay. I'll give this guy a chance. Yeah, it we smells have, like shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: We a couple, couple stench bunnies. I'll ride with this <laughs> homie right here, dog. Um, but I just, you know, I took a couple years off too, and just the other day I put it on. Yeah, and I was like, you know, I think there's something. It was a casual and it was like mint and something else. It was one of those mm-hmm. more like uh ones somebody made in the woods or made at their house, yeah, and I was like i can I like
1: this a little mm-hmm. organic style, yeah, not like a typical axe chocolate or like old spice swagger or any of those like super heavy chemical ones, yeah, that's the ones that started getting scary, you yeah. Know? Like, I, used to, I used to collect all that shit All the Axe flavors and stuff. You did? Yeah when I was a kid Dude they had a, What? You collected I think I was a victim Of the Axe marketing Like they had the yeah. Axe chocolate commercial is like He walks out of the house And all the ladies Are just like All over him And I was like That's gonna be me dude I was in 7th <laughs> grade I was like just Gotta keep stacking up Axe deodorant flavors And see which one works for me Yeah boy you get them Axes Boy you get as much Fucking deodorant as you can
0: <laughs> Yeah, I remember something like that dude being young and this they had this fella in our uh class named Michael and people used to beat him up a lot and his dad mm. could fix computers or whatever. And where I was from, if somebody could fix computers, it was almost like they worked for Satan, you know? Like yeah. people didn't want that, you know, mm-hmm. can you fix a fucking truck boy? You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> yeah. get out of here with your damn wires, you know? <laughs> and uh and he I think felt like, dude, I don't we give him power. And I remember mm. he would put it on his whole body. Put really up and down his limbs and everything, yeah, and it wow. really didn't help him much. It made him, you know, it made him enjoyable to be around, kind of, mm-hmm. but I don't think it helped him in like the emotional sense that he was looking for for like a parent, you know. Yeah, because he would put like
1: and he would put that Old Spice the Splash stuff on just all over his entire body. Yeah, like on the front of his hands. Yeah, yeah,
0: like a face too. I'm not sure how much he did on that young skin. It would probably yeah. really burn him. I'm sure he smelled great. Oh, dude, he was. But I think what he was looking for, he's
1: like, if I get enough, maybe this positive smell, maybe my yeah. father will love me. So you said that like a computer programmer is like the least honorable profession where you grew up in Louisiana. At the time it was. What do you think at that time was like the most respectable line of work? Mm. Probably tire care. Yeah. Fixing them, patching them up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you could roll in there and roll out in about 12, 13 minutes, you know? Yeah. Is this before a discount tire kind of like... Took the mom and pop tire spots out of business? Yeah. Back in the good old days. Yeah, back when you rolled in there and a guy could, he would, a guy would, he wouldn't even
0: have to, he'd smell around the tire and yeah. know, what, know what was up. I love tire shops. Oh, dude, they were so good. that One of the guys tried to make love to my mother for a while, and I think that also made me think, oh, these guys are heroes. Yeah, why? Because it was somebody that cared about my mom, I guess, you mm-hmm. know? It was like, oh, man, these guys- yeah. They Could change the tire on your life, you know? Yeah, they're heroic for sure by being like you know, someone that loves you. But, um, anyway, man, Andrew Callahan, thanks for being here, bro. Uh, thanks, man. So, some of my audience might not know you, right? You mm-hmm. are certainly like you are a wizard in your own and in, in a very huge world of journalism, but in your own world, like. Take me through a little bit of where you started out. So Andrew's kind of like this, I don't know, I'm labeled like this Hunter S. Thompson, kind of like this, you know, this like, uh, you're a journalist. That's a safe statement. Yeah. You told me one time when I met you, you said, I follow the vibe or the heat. I follow where the energy's at.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. And so you're like a seeker kind of. Yeah. Um, where do you, where do you kind of start at? I, I first saw you on French Quarter Confessions because yeah. I'm from Louisiana.
1: Mm-hmm. That was my first video project. I was a doorman on Bourbon Street in the quarter, and I would get off work and, like, interview drunk people for late-night confessionals, like, when they were out partying, on Bourbon and Royal and any surrounding streets, sometimes on Frenchmen, sometimes you got a little crazy. But, I mean, I started, uh, I read for my high school newspaper, and then, like, I had this cool ass high school teacher. I didn't really like school too much, but I had a journalism class and this teacher Calvin would let me like leave school for the whole day. And I would come back at the end of the day, like before the bell rang at like three 25. And he said, if you had a story of, 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 of a cool person that you talked to or someone interesting out there, I'd give you school credit. So I was able to just roam Seattle, like free roam throughout the day. And I would come back with like stories about juggalos that I would meet downtown. Yeah. You know, like, How to buy some shit off the Silk Road? I would go to the Occupy movement tent city and interview people there, and just come back and just like write a write a little article or write up, and I got school credit. And then he helped me. That kind of experience like propelled me to go to college in Louisiana on a full scholarship to Loyola. Loyola oh, wow. So they gave you, that's where you went down at Loyola. Yeah, The Wolf Pack. Yeah, yeah but you know about the Wolf Pack? Dude, I went to Loyola for one semester. No, bro. you didn't. Yeah, dude. You. you live in Beaver Hall in the dorms?
0: Uh, no, I tried to do cocaine with a girl one time and I couldn't get an erection and I've and I I've always
1: felt horrible about that. That one experience is the reason you dropped out of college? Uh, it made me, I think, leave Loyola. <laughs> she was like, <laughs> i was like because it was a small campus i didn't want to see her oh that's a small campus you know you see see. every student every day at loyola yes yeah yeah there's no like there's no place to hide over there yeah and if you go to the boot or the palms or like snake and jakes or one of those like college bars you really see the same people every day yeah and somebody usually i feel like there's a sex crime there every night like it almost should be
0: like sex crime sunday you know it should be like a thing for sure, yeah. Like, I gave like game a clue. They kind of, like, give you, like, a little check-off sheet.
1: Yeah. Th- those particular bars, like, on the corner of, like, Broadway and Zimple yeah. are a fucking nightmare. Yeah, people are peeing and drinking at the same time. Like, it's peeing a real- Peeing and fighting and making out. Yeah. And grinding, <laughs> yeah. which I didn't really know continued into adulthood. I thought grinding <laughs> was, like, a middle school sort of, like- uh you know, like it's like, but at the boot, like right now there's someone at the boot grinding with a stranger <laughs> yeah, yeah, with their yeah. eyes closed, just fucking like the song Candy Shop is playing and they're just like yeah. straight up vibing it out, making out. Why is that? Why is there something about, and that's,
0: I think, a lo- that is that dirty Louisiana thing where it's like, let's just get together and just
1: <laughs> let our fucking oysters touch. You know, there's yeah. something about that. I mean, I I didn't know because I did some grinding my freshman year at Loyola, you know, because everyone else is grinding and I didn't know at that time, but that would be the last time I'd ever grind. Yeah. You know what I mean? I wouldn't have believed you if you told me at at that time, but (laughs) then I was in the boot and I was like, this is fucking weird and it never happened again.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if there'd be like a good grinding championship. That would see something. That would be something I could see going to interview.
1: I think Jamaica would win. Have you seen the the dagger dancing? Uh Uh-uh. They're like jumping up and down each other, like, like dramatic air humping, like. You have to look it up. I'll send you some videos. It sounds like some of the Maasai warrior stuff. Is it yeah. like that? Like when those guys, like yeah. they do a lot of that. It's just like that. Oh
0: wow, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, okay, so you you came through French Quarter confessions. That's where a lot of people, I think, that's where I first learned about you from being from Louisiana. Yeah. And um, did you miss that? Do you miss that Louisiana energy kind of?
1: So much, man. I think about it all the time. Like, like when I dream, it's like they all take place in the streets of like New Orleans, like. It's like my mental map. You know what I'm talking about? It's a special place. Once once you connect to it, it like never leaves you. Yeah. You know, but it's also hard to find work out there. Like it's hard to build a career in media out there. Yeah. It's, I think it's really, really hard. Yeah.
0: Like there's like the news channels yeah. and then there's like crime. Yeah. Or you play for the saints. I feel like there's not a lot
1: of yeah. avenues to, to build a name for yourself. For sure. I mean, the one time I tried to get involved in like local, uh, like local TV stations in Louisiana, I had to to sign an NDA. And they're like, we're not going to tell you what your assignment is, but just sign this and we're going to get you on TV. And I'm like, all right, cool. So I sign it and they send me in like a Sprinter van to Covington, Louisiana. And they're like, you see this woman, her house just burnt down. She doesn't know this yet, but her two dogs are dead inside the house. You got to go walk in that house with her and write about it. I was like, "This is the worst job ever." It was so like, like maybe like a that,
0: gender reveal, but not like that.
1: Yeah, it was the saddest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. and so I was like, "I don't want to do this." But after quarter confessions, like I, I would uh, hitchhike around the U.S. a lot, like mm-hmm. by myself. I'm like, "Oh, you did? So you got so after that? You then you made it into hitchhiking?" Yeah, pretty much like right around there too. So I would yeah. hitchhike from like Seattle to New Orleans and back, and just interview like outlaws, runaways, deadbeats, like crazy motel creatures, in like mm-hmm. Nevada. You know, the, the real reptilians. Oh, yeah, man. Look, I've done a lot of picking up hitchhikers over my day,
0: right? Oh, cool. And people that, I mean, I rem- the the worst one I ever had was a guy, not the worst, really the best also, this guy, uh, what did he say? Oh, he goes, you want a cold beer? And I'm like, there's no fucking way this dude has a cold beer on him. Pulled a cold beer out of his jacket, man. Like, Whoa. Been, I don't know if he'd been cooling with his heart or just whatever he had, you know? <laughs> and he pulled a cold beer out of his jacket. And I was like, oh, this dude is a real, some type of like uh future baby or some type of wizard or something mm. and then uh he told me a story one time he got picked up by a guy one time and it was in a high. the guy ended up being in a high speed chase from the police mm. right so next you know this hitchhiker's in a high speed chase right yeah and so he's like he asked the guy's like why'd you pick me up and he goes because i don't want to die alone <laughs> 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 I'm like, damn, bro. damn let me break for from-
1: <clears throat> one second Got to get some phlegm out
0: real quick. Yeah, get it out, man. We'll sell it, actually. Okay, so you get into the hitchhiking. Take me on some of your hitchhiking journey right there.
1: I mean, just yeah. just everything was so ridiculous. Like, every ride was, like, crazier than the last. You know what I mean? Like, there's always that one story that I tell about, like, this tiny, like, hundred and dude picking me up in Crowley, Louisiana, and, like, taking me to, like, a refurbished barn house that had, like, 12 confessional booths. And I didn't, I didn't know that it was, like, a porn viewing... Have you been to a place like this? Was it like a uh, people, kind of a gay meetup or just (laughs) gay or straight? I think it's a place where truckers pull over to like have a private pornography viewing experience. They have like a bottle of lotion and like they have three channels. They have like the gay channel, regular channel, then like the fetish channel or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking I pick this dude up. He has like a fucked up car. And uh, he takes me to the place to view it, tries to, you know, see what was up. And I was like, no. No. And then he was like, oh, why, why were you at that truck stop? And I guess where he picked me up was like a known kind of- Oh, a notorious pro- bay for notor- notorious and- gay prostitute <clears throat> truck stop. So he thought that I was a, I wonder why he didn't say anything for an hour in the car, but he didn't want to get like, get a solicitation charge. So he didn't oh, say much because he kind of figured out- He was feeling I'd, it out. He wanted, he was asking me weird questions. Like, do you like porn? Do you like movies? And I was like, all right, what's right. up with this guy? Right. Yeah. Do you like, have you ever, yeah. What kind of condiments do you like? Yeah. Just like strange shit like that. Super, super weird. Yeah. But I wrote a book about the hitchhiking, like a zine thing. You did? Yeah. And like people liked it. I probably sold a couple hundred copies. Like that was good. But then I realized like nobody really reads, dude. Yeah. Reading is a tough thing for people. Do you even find for yourself that it's hard to read these days? I'd prefer to listen to a podcast or an audio book, you know, but it is like a calming like uh, thing to do reading
0: yeah i think it makes my mind it does something good for my brain i feel like in my mind it makes them kind of settle down Mm -hmm. it puts them like on a pace that feels like they can keep up with yeah whereas like this the way we kind of uh, have media nowadays sometimes it feels like a pace that's not fair to the yeah the the operating system that i have you know Mm -hmm. that god put in me or whatever um any hotties ever pick you up any chicks ever pick you up was there ever any sex on the route
1: no Definitely not. It was mostly like a uh, super old timey, like stick and stick and bindle, kind of like formerly vagabond hobo dudes. Mm. You know, because I think that like they they grew up before Texas Chainsaw Massacre came out, right. which to me is the quintessential uh, turning point of hitchhikers being viewed as like oh. potentially homicidal maniacs. But before <laughs> that, I'm assuming it was like a cool fucking hippie thing to yeah, do, you yeah. know. But then after that, it was like hitchhiker is a is a murderer. Yeah, and so I think now like people would flip me off. You Know, like, good. And we're talking like Christian family folk would be driving oh, yeah. in a minivan, look at me, and the whole family would flip me off. Oh, that, yeah, just strange.
0: <laughs> look stuff. at that, yeah, yeah. They used to call, yeah, I remember, yeah. People sometimes drive by, call me a road inward. They would call me, and I'm like, What? What are you even talking wow. about? Wow, <laughs> yeah, like, what? So, you, you did some interesting, so yeah, man, I used to get that out there, sick. bro. I used to love it, I used to love. You know what I think I loved? I think I did it because there was a part of me that wanted to have something different, you know? Yeah. But then there was that moment of fear where it's like, I don't know what the heck's going to happen to me.
1: Yeah. I think I always liked that, you know, gamble. Like one dude that picked us up in Arizona, drove me from Phoenix to Vegas. He was like uh, basically an arms dealer, mm. you know? And he had just spent the better part of 10 years like in Arizona State Penitentiary and his whole back seat had like Home Depot... Uh, buckets just full of like magazines, switches, silencers, beams, all this crazy ass shit. And was it hard to navigate that? Is it hard to stay in the pocket in there and not just like jump out or? Well, because you know, one thing you learn from being a hitchhiker is people lie a lot. They try to impress you. They try to relate to you. And they want to seem super cool and, like, weathered. So they would tell you, like, man, I used to be selling guns all up and down the West Coast. You're like, okay, you know, we hear you. And then he was like, no, for real, check out the back. And I look at these buckets full of, like, gun parts. And I'm like, why the fuck did this guy pick me up? And he was already running hot, riding hot as hell. Right. But I guess he, he probably enjoyed the roll of the dice, too. Oh, right. There's
0: two people are rolling the dice. And it's also like saying, hey, God, I'm going to put the dice or fates or whatever. I'm going to put the dice in your hands. Exactly. I'm going to let, I'm going to take, I am going to like, yeah, I'm going to take my hands off the wheel. Yeah, dude. A lot of times I would let people just, or I would get picked up or have people take me just even around our own town, you know? And it was definitely, uh, yeah, there's that element of uncertainty. What's going to happen here? You know, and also it takes some of the responsibility of your own life off of you. You're mm-hmm. like, I'm going to put my life in this guy's hands, this, right. this Mazda. Yeah. You know, this dude in a Mazda. I'm going to yeah. fucking, you know. With underglow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Damn, bro. Yeah. And hitchhiking used to be so popular in the 70s and stuff like that. Like, in
1: 1978 or whatever. Texas Chainsaw Massacre dropped. That's when it happened, huh? Mm-hmm. And then every year there was a hitchhiker horror movie. Mm of some hippie looking dude who like, you know, slashes the driver's throat. Oh, It's horrible. But also in the South, I mean, hitchhiking is a lot harder than it is on the West Coast. You think so? I did the 101 one time, like mm-hmm. from Astoria, Oregon, down to like the Bay. I got picked up within 30 seconds every time by oh. people in like Volkswagen vans and RVs, like, you know, West Coast kind of like hippie adjacent folk. In the South, I feel like it's more of a charity thing. Like when I was, I remember I got picked up in, paducah kentucky one time mm-hmm. which is like the most religious small town i've ever been to mm-hmm. and everyone who picked me up was like you you remind me of my son i'm like what do you mean and they're like he's strung out on dope somewhere and i'm like okay i'm not but like thank you <laughs> so i think it's just a different barometer for or like you remind me of my hot daughter in that area dude I think <laughs> you, you would probably compete with some of the local models i think i think man. so too i could yeah. model in paducah oh, bro, if so all good. else fails i can just go model in the appalachia yeah, that'd be so <laughs> Got to get stronger hands, you know, yeah. once I get, like, farmer fingers. Bro,
0: how pissed would they get would they get if, like, a trans model showed
1: up and just started winning all the pageants? Oh, dude, Culture War 2.0. Oh, that'd be so good. The Culture War has been – uh, it's back on. I mean, you've been watching the news. Yeah, I think I see a lot of it. So when you say Culture War, what does it mean? It means when mainstream media propagates, like – um irrelevant uh small culture war shit you know like things that aren't like really a big issue like Mm -hmm. you know like trans women playing in sports and they obsess over it to distract you from real things that are going on do you think that they do that yeah totally do it like yeah like left like liberal and like conservative mainstream media they pick strategically like before midterms to get people all riled up by like zooming in on like specific they they know what they're doing it's yeah like
0: people with lisps like they're you know or like uh yeah, like trans people in sports. Yeah, it doesn't this make you angry? You like you know? didn't
1: hear about it for like eight months and then they're like, oh shit, we got an election coming up. Let's stoke more anxiety and like exploit people's fears about this. Yeah. Try, try to get votes. And it works, huh? Instantly. On both sides. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it works instantly on both sides. It's amazing sometimes because people look at the conservative side, I feel like, this is just a general thought of my own. People look at the conservative side as being a, less educated side mm-hmm. but both sides will fall for the same exact tricks yeah totally. it's almost crazy you can almost i don't know it's just really fascinating to me that it's like
1: but you but this is the same game being done on both on both teams oh yeah totally like liberal media will go to like the furthest sticks and boonies they can they can possibly go to to find like their like racist guy to interview yeah and just to get people all freaked out and yeah. i'm sure you know what that's like they often scapegoat the South. The South. Yeah, it's happened always, a lot. It's like, happened a
0: lot over the years, especially during like uh during Trump, during like that administration, during that kind of stuff. Yeah. Those white guys in Charlestown or whatever, like Charlottesville. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was surely like there was probably a couple of dudes in there who was hoping things would go to another level of like yeah. of let's white like you know, whiten around. Yeah. But I think there was a, probably as many people in there that were just confused and responded to a Craigslist ad. You know? Yeah,
1: for sure. Um, And just falling falling victim to their own echo chamber, you know? Like, they're in yeah. these tight, weird, online niche communities, and the algorithm starts recommending shit to them that they already know they're going to be receptive to, to get more ad revenue. And before you know it, they're just, like, down the rabbit hole. <laughs> and these <laughs> social media companies are making fucking millions while these people are just spiraling out of control. Yeah. The next thing you know, they're yelling shit about Jews in public. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that's crazy, dude. <laughs> you know, I don't yell anything in
0: public. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Michael Myers is pretty. I don't honestly, bro. The dude not that scary anymore. I saw the last Halloween. It was horrible. The one few years ago it was horrible. I can't imagine how bad this one is. But if you look at him, he looks like the kind of dude that tightens his body up because he's got that whacker on him, bro. He's got that. Uh, he's got that tremor, baby. That that he got a damn machete, doesn't he? What I'm telling you about is Manscaped is the safe way to do it. That man could easily whack his wiener off, but you won't. Manscaped launched their fourth generation performance package to make sure your pumpkins get the ultimate carving experience on this spooky time of year. That's right. Turn your bite-sized treat into a king-sized candy. That means get your wand looking long, long, long wand. Join the 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code THEO. That's manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code THEO. Make the right call this spooky season. It's trick or trim. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. You know, one time I remember we got stuck somewhere in the mud And people said, well, dang, we got to get out the mud. And I said, well, this is a four-cylinder. This is a Ford Escort. And we don't stand a chance against the mud. We in. This is the damn devil's gumbo got us stuck. Got our tires just begging for help. That can happen to your brain sometimes. Your brain gets stuck and you need something greater than you to help you. That's where better help comes in. BetterHelp Therapy, a therapist can help you become a better problem solver, making it easier to get out that mud. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, accessible, affordable, and entirely online. When you want to be a better problem solver, visit betterhelp.com T-H-E-O. Today, to get the 10% off your first month, that's better, H-E-L-P dot com slash Theo. Well, yelling in public also is such an outdated form of communication, unfortunately. Yeah. You know, our voices now have to go through these certain portals, or it feels like that they can't be communicated.
1: Yeah, there's no more like town, town crier. Mm-mm. I mean, no one would take you seriously,
0: right? That's the thing; no one would
1: take you seriously. But I seek out people like that. Yeah, My, that's sort of the basis of early all gas no breaks interviews. Is mm-hmm. like I don't want to talk to an online loud person. I want to talk to a real life screamer.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you get so uh, so yeah. Get me to all gas no breaks, and then let's get to Channel Five. So and then uh, just for our listeners, so you you you're doing the hitchhiking.
1: You've left out of Louisiana, mm-hmm. and you end up. In Seattle. In Seattle. And then from Seattle, like down to LA on the West Coast and back to Colorado. I, I, I mean, the summers following that, I hitchhiked a bunch. But the book that I wrote, I mean, it's not for sale anymore, but it was about like my first hitchhiking experience uh, that kind of had like a small cult following, which led me to want to make a show. The book was called All Gas, No Breaks: A Hitchhiker's Diary. Yeah. And I was like, man, nobody really reads. I want to make a, like an interview-based road show. So I convinced a company to buy me an RV whatever, made all gas, no breaks fell out with the company over a contractual dispute, Right, signed a movie deal with Tim and Eric. That movie is coming out in December. Awesome. It's with, with HBO and A24. And Congratulations, so, man. I'm stoked, dude. It's crazy. Wow. Man. Yeah, And so the movie will be about, I know you have a tour coming up too, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's crazy, man. I start my first ever tour in like 12 days. It's like 45 dates, like back to back. We're going to screen scenes from the movie. We're gonna find like battle rappers and magicians via Craigslist yeah. to open up each performance.
0: You can have some people from episodes I know that you've already taped that
1: will be at some of the uh, yeah at some of the venues. Yeah, definitely. And it's just crazy. I've just been like trying to be calm before the tour starts. I've just been playing tennis and hanging out with my mom every day. Oh wow. Yeah. At Venice Beach tennis courts. Do you and your mother look alike or no?
0: Yeah, for sure. Y'all do? Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, Um, Is your father still alive or no? Yeah, he's alive. He's a bartender in Seattle. Oh, he is? Yeah. Oh, wow. He's a cool dude. Are your parents pretty proud of you?
1: Yeah, I think so. I hope so. Yeah. They should be, I think.
0: Yeah. You know what I mean? Do you feel like your desire to create or to get out there and interview people, do you feel like any of that came from your own childhood or do you think it was just a choice you kind of made as you... Like, is it more about journalism or is it more about seeking something to fulfill something inside of you?
1: Well, I think my mom is like a super sweet, like caring person, very empathetic, big listener. She was the kind of person that like, you know, if someone would approach us on the street, you know, like I need some help, she would always help them. But a step further, like talk to them and converse with them. And so like I think when I was super young, she would humanize people just day to day for me. So I didn't go, I didn't grow up with this wall or like glass wall between me and like people who I didn't understand. Right. So I just kind of went through life. And then like when I started smoking weed, when I was like 13 in Seattle, like walking around downtown high, I just became like this, like a toddler level, curious, like wanderer. And I would just walk around. and be like, what's up? Where are you from? What's, and I would ask people, what's the craziest thing you've ever seen? <laughs> when yeah. I was young. I'm like, what's the craziest thing I've ever seen? I'll just sit there for like an hour and be like, damn, dude. All right, peace. <laughs> so I, would, I was like listening to basically five hours of free podcast yeah. <laughs> today. And so by the time I got old, I was like, damn, you can make a career out of this? Like, that's sick. Wow. That's incredible, man. Yeah, Seattle's
0: got Seattle at night gets really, <laughs> it's got a like a damp vampire running <laughs> around, bro. There's a lot of like. <laughs> There's a lot of damn condensation fucking drug Muppets bouncing around over there. Certainly so. That's a beautiful American city. Yeah. We used to to do that comedy club underground, underground comedy over there. Yeah. It was, it was honestly one of the best rooms to do comedy in. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's still there. Um, So now, so, so, so that's where you're at now. So now you got like, I mean, you, you do so much interesting stuff. Now you follow, is that still kind of your, your goal to follow the, the heat to follow what's going on? How hard is
1: it to still do that when you've gotten busier? Uh, I'm not, I mean, right now there's not much happening in the news cycle. So it's like, I'm more doing like character studies and like random cultural interest stuff. But like once the midterms kick back into full swing, like I got to follow the news beat. Like there's nothing better than like being on the ball of news as it's happening. Like it's, it's like the best feeling. It's like, it's kind of like addicting. Wow. Like watching history unfold and documenting it and being like on scene. I get how reporters can get addicted to like following that high all the time but you got to like stay away from that to a certain degree because then you become just like a chaos tourist and you spend every waking day being like, where are people pissed off? Mm. And you get so used to it. It's kind of jades your mind and you're like, man, like society is in decline because you spend every other day at like a right or left wing protest. So it's important to kind of zoom out and cover like positive subjects. Like I went to a powerlifting event in Sacramento a month ago called World's Strongest Man. Mm-hmm. That was just fun. No one's talking about like, you know, the Clinton deep state cabal, or like yeah. the collapse of civilization. So I'm like, man, this is just nice. So you got to pepper your life with shit like that to s- stay level-headed, I
0: think. Interesting. Do you, yeah, I saw you talking to a bunch of like those jizz wizard dudes, those like guys <laughs> that are like those fucking, you know what I'm saying? Those yeah, fucking spunk they, garglers, dude.
1: Them dudes go deep, bro. Yeah, Will Blunderfield is his oh, name. Oh, okay, Will, Will. He's kind yeah. of the commander-in-chief of the jizz wizards. And, uh, and that's a new movement, really,
0: of men... Do, do you see that just as a why, like an out there group? Or do you see that as a, as, as an example of men trying to find different ways to regain masculinity?
1: I think for, I think that will, will specific demographic is dudes who would be traditionally called gay by society. Okay. Trying to become bisexual to a certain extent. Ooh. You know what I mean? Cause he's talking about how, you know, when he does same sex erotic bonding in the forest with his bros, it kind of makes him have a procreative urge. You know, so I think to a certain degree, I think the manosphere has definitely taken over. Like a lot of the surface net, even. The, what is the manosphere? Just like Andrew Tate type people, you know, just like men's, like alpha men's wellness self-help dudes, you know. But I think the will's a bit different because it's more on like the spiritual side and mm-hmm. it's more connected to like. Eating well and all that type of shit, cutting like glyphosate and natrazine out of your diet to like have your ch- chakras aligned and like reach a new dimension and like breath work and I feel like he I feel like he's more on that tip, mm. but then again I feel like 2020 and COVID created mm. this insane fusion with like the wellness community and like pretty hard right people because of the anti-vax thing. Oh, interesting. So like half of the you know, like yogis and like holistic community wellness people became like fully QAnon pilled in twenty twenty. Wow. Like I remember I I'm not gonna say her name, but the one, this lady who invented butthole sunning or perennium sunning. Yeah, I've heard a lot about that. Yeah. So she it was super like kind of cool, hippie, like free thinker, believes in the sun mm-hmm. god, thinks the sun god speaks to your soul through your anus rays come in, get into your body. That's oh, yeah. god divine energy. I hadn't talked to her in like six months. I checked back on her Instagram and it's a, this is real shit. It's George Floyd. And then like a, like a lizard person cropped over each other. Mm. And she was like, don't believe everything you see on TV. And like, it's just crazy to see like that happening to someone like that. And now it's all just like the storm is coming like crazy ass, like fringe shit. Like JFK Jr. is still alive. Yeah. Oh, wow. like, yeah. He, uh, yeah, Key Jr. No, he's, no, he's not. But his, him being alive is central to the QAnon Oh, I see, universe. I see, I see that. You're just saying that it's, it gets in that little, that, uh, drain. They were waiting at the grassy knoll in Dallas like four months ago for his return. No way. Yeah. And wow. like, it's kind of like Bigfoot hunting style where like one guy says that he saw it when everyone looked away. Mm. And so I met a guy who was like, I saw him. And everyone's like, "No, you didn't." Like, and they almost were having some infighting. He's like, "No, dude, I saw him." So you were down there when that happened? No, but I talked to a bunch of the people okay. who were there at the People's Convoy, which is like a trucker protest right after. Okay, yeah. Wow, I'm pretty deep in that little world. Yeah, we've well, we've had Bobby Kennedy on here before, mm-hmm.
0: so he was big. He's a environmentalist, mm-hmm. you know. So it's in, it makes sense that he would be, you know, he was always about like taking care of nature. So then it makes sense that he would take want to take. That his interest would lead to taking care of the nature inside of your body, you know, like mm. the waterways inside of your body and that sort of thing. Mm. Um, so he's been a big like I wouldn't call him an ant, I don't know if, I don't know if he was anti he wasn't anti COVID but I think he was an anti-vax, anti vax yeah. anti or making sure that vaccinations are tested correctly. Yeah, because you know? um, in my town I grew up in a in, in Covington, Louisiana, mm-hmm. and they had they used to they were making the polio vaccine in our town. Mm. in like the 60s or something, whenever they put it out, or maybe the, I think the 60s or 70s. Um, And they, that's where they created the polio vaccine at. And they Mm -hmm. used to test it on monkeys. Well, the polio vaccine ended up giving cervical cancer to millions of women, Mm -hmm. but they'd already made it. And they were just like, yeah, fuck it. We already bought it, right? Like we already. The deal sealed. Yeah. This is what we got. So it helped polio. But you, there was a high risk for cervical cancer, so I think some people, you know, it, it also depends on I think where some people's mindsets come out of. Yeah. Um. Do you uh? Do you now like like I know you just went in and interviewed Alex Jones and I had to sit down with Alex Jones. Yeah. What was that kind of like? Was that? Do you think the guy was absolutely crazy? Do you think he was overwhelmed by the the lawsuit at this point? Um. Or do you feel like he's on point with some stuff, and he's just
1: too loud for the world these days? Like, I don't know. It's it's such a tough one because I, I I do see both angles of it. You know what I mean? And I had a lot of heat from a lot of my fans for even talking to him. I mean, the billion dollar verdict. It's he probably has between two and three million dollars, in, and in InfoWars or Free Speech Systems is filing for bankruptcy, so he's not going to the, the the Sandy Hook families aren't going to see that money, right? But um. I guess it's a precedent in the future for it's like, if you, cause he was really coming after the parents as well. Right. You know, like he put one of the parents addresses up.
0: I mean, it's egregious. I mean, it's egregious when somebody go, and I can't imagine when you go through something like that Yeah,
1: and there's this voice that gets loud. Yeah. But I'm reading this book called Sandy Hook by Elizabeth, Elizabeth Williamson. And like some of the dudes that Alex was like platforming on his shit, I hate saying platforming, but like this dude, Wolfgang Helbig, And there's people who like were writing like 4,000 emails a day to the Sandy Hook families like type shit, like harassing them, stalking them, leaving messages saying they're going to kill them, accusing them of keeping their kids alive as sex slaves in the attic and shit. Horrible stuff. So it wasn't. A lot of people. It's not just about Alex. It's just some right, of the it's people. About the, the ripple effect. Yeah, because there's a whole community of lost people who devote their whole life to harassing the uh, victims' families of the Colorado Aurora shooting, of Sandy Hook, of Uvalde. Like, it's a whole community of of you know crisis actor followers, like false
0: flag. people. Have you been able to meet any of those types of folks, even just to see like? Because I think one thing that's really interesting that you do, and I really like seeing it, man, is that you kind of just, you go and just kind of listen to people. It's like, hey, here's what's going on. And I think it's really powerful, even as you say, like some of your followers or or, or supporters, like, oh, why would you even give this guy space? But people would say that, too, about having Bobby Kennedy on here. It's like, why would you give this guy space? Like. He's a human being. He's, first of all, one yes. of the smartest guys that I know. Yeah. Like, really interesting and amazing friend. Yeah. So it's like, I wouldn't not trust him. Like, why wouldn't I listen and hear what his what his thoughts are and, and yeah. what's going on? I, I, um, yeah,
1: I just think, like, the more liberal audience is, like, super into uh, de-platforming. And they think that, like, giving someone a, a – giving a problematic person a platform is somehow supporting them. And I always refute that like this. If I if it's a lesser known shitty person that I'm cherry picking to kind of dunk on, that's fucked up. You know, if I'm if I bring some white nationalist from the, you know, cuts of Alabama on my show just to like grill him and make him look stupid. Right. I am inadvertently growing his audience by bringing him on. Because the people who watch my shit, and and even if they agree with me, his name is now out there. I've elevated his name to the top. And so people will know his name. They'll go to his website. You kind of increase traffic for that person. And you create future white nationalists and vice versa. But like Alex Jones, everybody knows who that is. He's a household name. The Proud Boys, everybody knows who that is. So when I'm interviewing people like that, that most of my audience doesn't like, I am not increasing their fame or increasing their exposure because with with or without me, everyone's going to know who those people are. Alex Jones is on the front page of the New York Times. The Proud Boys are being investigated by the FBI for January 6th. So me interviewing them, I'm not platforming or increasing their audience at all. But, you know, if I was to interview like more lesser known, you know, fringe people, I wouldn't do that, you know. Yeah, like if you were to interview like Whitey Killer 1200 or you yeah. were to
0: interview like um, Slave Buyer 55, exactly, then you would be, you know, or
1: yeah, But mainstream media, like liberal media, does that shit. They find like the dumbest person they can and they're like inside the Ku Klux <laughs> Klan, and it's <laughs> and it's like some like 300 pound like CSI Miami watcher sitting in his chair. He's like, Why, people? We're just better at stuff, man. <laughs> and like yeah, And the journalist is like, What do you mean by that? How can you say something like that? He was like, you know, I just I'm not doing that shit, man. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. And it's like
0: people why do people get so stuck in their own va- like why can't people just let somebody else have a different belief? like like a different politician?
1: How did that get so crazy from your perception? I don't know, but I think that uh, the politics, like the how all the late night TV shows and how SNL just p- became like Orange Man bashing machines. Yeah, when I mean, you fucking turn on Colbert or Jimmy Kimmel or something, it's literally like every other night is like an anti-Trump monologue. It was horrible. They ruined their shows. I think they're
0: still doing it.
1: They're, it's crazy, though. It the, seems the, like bad. What? Why?
0: It's like you it, could just say, "Hey, this is who I support or don't yeah. support."
1: Yeah, I, I think the incentive is there. It's the safest thing you can do. You know, in, in comedy, in, in that realm is to just bash, like, you know, a conservative president. And I don't support Trump, you know, but it's like, I don't want to go on late night TV and watch a rich guy talk shit about another rich guy. I know. You know what I mean? I'm just like, this is just the same shit. And it, I think that has something to do with it. Because if you think about it, right, like, those shows reach everybody. They're on cable. So you can be sitting in, a, in the middle of a red state and you go on cable and you go to Comedy Central, ABC, Late Night. And that's what you're seeing is your supposed hero being shit on by, you know, the comedic elite of Late Night TV in Los Angeles or New York. Right. So, and that they're all on the same page. None of
0: them have any yeah. different view or not even a lot of uh like variation
1: variation in their own views. Yeah. But like so the real OGs like Jon Stewart, like they've held it down. You know, that, to me, that's like the best. Yeah. Early Daily Show. To me, that was like, during the Bush era, that was like this absolute sweet spot of like comedic late night political shit. Yeah, and Bush also was, they kind of made, like
0: it was different with Trump. People, I mean, they, Hollywood just decided they, fuck, their. Yeah. either something, either we don't have enough ownership over this guy or he's too much of a loose cannon, whatever it is, but that not a, Excuse me, not a chance, or, or or we everybody's gonna hate this dude, yeah. and then everybody works with all, so
1: they have no choice.
0: Yeah, that's who pays their bills. Yeah,
1: it's also hard to satirize a guy who doesn't give a fuck about what anyone thinks. Right, you know what I mean? It's like you think he gives a shit. He just likes the attention from it. You know, right? I think yeah, that's really interesting too. But I think that turned off a lot of people,
0: even if people like weren't that political. It was just like, well, why are you so one sided? Like, yeah. what do you what what do you have in this?
1: Yeah. And there's you can there's real venom in some of those monologues, dude. Oh like, yeah. You're like, Jesus Christ, this is like mean spirited almost, man. Like, fuck. Oh yeah. I thought that it was I think it ruined Hollywood for a
0: lot of people. It's like it made a lot yeah. of people think like, well, obviously this is a group that doesn't
1: support me. Yeah. Do you think that your move to Nashville was like a little bit inspired by that stuff? I think, well, I wanted to honestly save money. Yeah.
0: And everybody went to Austin. And I never wanted to be like everybody else. And everybody did it. You know, Joe Rogan moved there and Tim Dillon went there and uh, Tom Segura. And I think I always wanted to be a little bit different. Yeah. You know, Um, I was scared that if I, you know, I don't know. I want to go look at Austin now. I'm going to go check it out for a month and see. Um, And then Nashville, I don't know. I think there's, there's something really nice about it. It's just a lot of nice folks. You've been liking it? yeah I think it's nice. I think it there's a lot of yeah there's just a lot of nice people there, like I have like the nicest neighbors I've ever had, yeah, um it gives me a little bit of a different idea of what's uh of what the Americas still like kind of you know that's nice. does it feel southern to you yeah, it does sometimes it i I would never was like redneck growing up like our yeah. family didn't have any money. we were just poor white, yeah, yeah, so we were like. You know, like we didn't have a boat, like a boat or any, yeah. you know, we didn't have like a flag that we supported. We didn't have, mm. you know, my father was from Nicaragua. He was 70 years old when I was born. My mother was from Illinois and was making love to a poor old man. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. who's having sex with a seven-year-old with no money? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like. It's a bad deal. <laughs> I like, think no matter who you are. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's not good. It's like, it just seems like a poor business choice, you oh, know? man. That's a shitty age to have no money. I know. Yeah. And it's just like, anyway, so, so yeah, I think, um, what are some things that I like about it? It's nice for touring too. We can take tour buses right out of there. Yeah. Uh, and it's one of the last Southern cities that still feels kind of like, um, I don't know. It has like a new rebirth. Yeah. Like I've gone to a lot of these cities like, uh, Montgomery, um, Jackson, you been there. Even Savannah during the daytime downtown, yeah. kind of de- like uh, Charleston. Yeah, 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 Charleston and Charleston's Jackson. popping. Birmingham's pretty good too. Yeah, Birmingham, I hear is pretty good. I haven't been really spent time there in the city, but there's a lot of southern cities, uh, Columbus, Georgia, that are just like ghost towns. Yeah, you know, especially Mississippi. Oh, Mississippi is a, really yeah. a ghost state. Like the north part of it, like the Delta. Yeah, like shelled out towns. It's gotten really bad, man. Um yeah mississippi's just crazy man a really bad branding happened i think with a lot of like uh, a lot of the south was based on uh, even a lot of the tourism was based on tradition Mm -hmm. like war battlefields and antebellum homes things like that that i think white people didn't realize maybe as much at that black maybe black culture didn't have like or maybe it angered them. I don't know. I think a lot of that kind of came out during BLM when a lot of like statues were being torn down and like, um, you know, so I think the South also is in a little bit of a space where it's like, well, I don't think I was grasping onto the history there because it was racist. Mm -hmm. I just thought it was the history, like Robert E. Lee. That was the statue. Like, you know, we would all meet up there at Mardi Gras. I don't think half of us knew what the fuck he did, you know? Um, But I think – so a lot of the tradition there feels like it's been stirred – yeah. And I think a lot of people down there don't really know what to do in some Southern places right now. Yeah.
1: You know? I wonder when they're going to start landmarking like a, like hip hop achievements and shit. Like when I was in I was in Clarksdale and Yazoo City and the Delta and it's everything is like the, you know, the Delta Blues Trail. Like here's where Lightning Hopkins like grew up. And I'm yeah, like, what yeah. about Lil Wayne? Yeah. Like at what point are we going to start like marking That's Lil Wayne's point. house in Hollygrove and shit? Cause like that stuff really changed the world in a similar way that blues did, you know? Yeah. If not even a bigger impact but like... I'm amazed they haven't done yeah. that. I, I think about it all the time. Like hip-hop heritage trail. It's going to happen yeah. eventually. It's, we're going to be tripping, bro. We're going to be like 90 years old. And they're Like in the third world, they're going to be like, here stood the Magnolia Projects where Soulja Slim and Master P and Sea Murder came out with their first No Limit Records album. Yeah. We're going to be like... <laughs> but it has to happen, right? Well, it almost seems like it's
0: behind schedule, especially since they've gone through so many of those projects and stuff over the years and torn, like, had to tear them down or refurbish. You think somebody would have said, hey, let's just take this building yeah. and make it make some money for the yeah. city, you know?
1: Especially, yeah, they should have preserved like one of the old Magnolia buildings.
0: Oh, yeah. Big boy where Juvenile grew up. Yeah. I mean, that's like the backdrop to like the birth of fucking Southern rap music. Dude, I would go there in a heartbeat because it's so funny because I've gone to the ones where like Elvis was born. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you'll see signs like Muddy Gussie grew up here, like people you don't even know anymore. Yeah. But if they had like Big Boy, like uh,
1: if they had a lot of different ones along that trail. It's one of those classic things of like who's really going to campaign on that, though? It's like in Seattle, you can't drink in strip clubs. What congressman is going to be like, I'm going to make this my issue? You know what I mean, but I think these
0: days, I think you make that small pinpoint issue that catapults you from being some muppet with like uh or you know just somebody to being like all you need is that one yeah and then you're in the game as long you gotta you gotta have some backup plans <laughs> yeah for sure but dude I can't believe that they have strip clubs where you can't drink it like this like. I, but the 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 strippers are all
1: on pill. They can fucking do pills. Mm-hmm. But I can't figure a goddamn white cloth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought this is America. No, I feel you. My dad works next to a strip club. My dad works at a bar connected to a strip club. Yeah, and so it's always like bar strip club back to bar back to strip club. It's uh, like just tear the wall down. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, dude, we went to a
0: strip club once in uh, in Virginia. We were touring a couple of months ago, and. They're like, uh Hin uh oh, Edgar Allan Poe used to own this. A strip club? Yeah. His his like his I think it's Edgar Allan Poe. Is he from Virginia?
1: No, Edgar Allan Poe's from Baltimore.
0: Okay, well, at one point he lived, I guess, in Virginia, and he like lived there for a while or something. Yeah, like, oh, he used to live here. It was like a historic building. Yeah, but then part of it was a strip club. It's pretty cool. Wow, I didn't even know Edgar Allan Poe got down like that. I think he got down the coast a little bit and went looking for a little bit of puss. Yeah, he had a twisted mind. Oh, he had to, dude. So it must have
1: been a twisted strip club,
0: dude. He was like one of the first BLM activists. Look at the fucking that the Raven or whatever. Was that about race? It was about black birds.
1: Yeah, it was actually a pretty good anti-racist novel. You know what
0: I'm saying? Yeah. When all the ro- when all, everybody's writing about Red Robins and you start rocking about the B, about the about the Raven. So was he like,
1: were authors like rappers back then? Ooh. Like you think if you went to the strip club, everyone was like, "Oh shit, it's Edgar and yeah. he's like making it rain." Or what was the strip club like before that kind of music? Oh, I don't know, violin. Violin. E- I just can't envision e- like you know.
0: Yeah, just that slow.
1: With no future, like what does a strip club look like? The artist's future.
0: Right, right. Yeah, 100%. I don't know. That's a great question. A hunting we will go,
1: maybe a hunt. Just like maybe yeah. somebody singing stuff like that. Like folksy accordion. Yeah. Uh, you ever been to the Claremont Lounge in Atlanta? Yeah. That's a good one. Was, it is a good one. What was Bourdain's favorite spot.
0: Was it really? Yeah. Yeah, they used to have that old, uh, an older lady in there and she'd get those beer cans for you.
1: Yeah. And they're a good place to watch people do Coke that shouldn't be doing it. Yeah, for sure. What's weird for me in strip clubs is I only like them if they're like super novelty, you know. Yeah, I, I like it in like an atmosphere sense, like a like Sopranos, Bada Bing style, just like the lighting and like just degenerate people. I like to watch the people at strip clubs. Yeah, more, more of a burlesque style or something. No, I mean like I like to watch. I like to look at the dudes who are at who are watching strippers more than the strippers. Oh wow! Because it's so interesting. Yeah,
0: there's something about somebody being right there to like it's almost like a sense
1: of like, I don't know, I guess some people go probably for desperation. Yeah. They have just like this weird like slack jaw and like a permanently half full whiskey neat Jameson glass. And they're just like absolutely mesmerized with like this wet stack of ones because their palm is sweating, you know, the ring in their back pocket, just like nothing in front of them, nothing behind them, just in the moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's some feeling right there, huh? Yeah. Cause they, they must know that, the girls don't actually like them yeah so i guess a lot of it is the myth of it maybe it's they want to feel like a rock star like nickelback style yeah like they're at a strip club by oh, themselves. The... but i mean imagine going to a strip club by yourself ordering a jameson and smoking a cigar like yeah that idyllic like it's like some hemingway shit it's like yeah yeah like I'm, this is me i'm i do this this isn't weird at all this is cool this is what rock stars do. Yeah, you know. But
0: then the women are all pilled up. It's not even this like exchange of emotion anymore. It's just two people sharing each other, hoping one of them has a has a perk on them. You know. Yeah. That's what I feel like. It's almost like playing perk chess with their eyes. Yeah, I've never heard even taking a prescription pill before. You know, just playing just with that two 120 milligram stare. How does that make you feel, Percocet? Like, I don't know. I took two somas one time and actually drove off a road on accident. And my buddy, I think. R.I.P. tried to give me a BJ or something. I don't even
1: remember fully. But (laughs) I wouldn't take them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. I just have friends who take them. I've had a friend take them. I looked at them. I'm like, how are you feeling right now? It's
0: crazy. I think it disconnects you from any senses that you have anything wrong. Yeah. There's nothing wrong, man. That's not a good thing. No, you're made out of marshmallows and fucking homemade pussy, dude. I think you have... Everything just perfect, you know. I wanted to ask you. So, what happened to the King and the Sting podcast? It's no longer. Oh, the King and the Sting podcast. Yeah, the the the, the podcast is still going. I'm just not. I'm oh, okay. not doing yeah, cool. it. You yeah. and Brandon are cool though. Yeah? yeah. 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 We just. Honestly, man, I missed. I couldn't. I didn't have enough attention really to focus. Yeah. Like I like I like my own podcast, and we have a unique kind of audience. I think. Yeah. And I think I wanted to be able to. F- I feel a lot more in touch with this now. Yeah. Like it's important to me. Yeah. And it was still important, but it was just a lot to try and juggle.
1: Yeah. I liked uh, the gringo poppy actually. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think
0: people give Brennan so much uh, flack. And I think that's one of the reasons I admire him in some ways. Yeah. Is how you could withstand so much uh, disdain from people, you know, or fake disdain. Yeah. It's pretty psychotic.
1: Crazy, isn't it? Yeah. It goes back to the people you were talking about. Yeah. Yeah, No, for sure. It's kind of why I stopped, like, I still have Instagram and stuff. I just don't go on it. Because, like, when you run that, when you're, like, a major public figure whatever, a big media figure, like, if someone comments on your shit, you're amazing. At its best, that's an ego boost. Unhealthy ego boost. And if someone says, you suck, then that's an anxiety spike. So it's like, there's no, once you've kind of passed that threshold of, like, validation from the public... It, it's nothing but bad for your mind because this little box in your pocket, it's like, oh, you're the shit, man. You're the best journalist. I'm walking around by myself getting endorphins from that, which is not natural. It should be like, you know, touching trees, playing tennis with my mom. But instead, it's like, and then if someone, then if that box is like, fuck you, man. You're a libtard. You sell out or something. I'm like, oh, man. I, I, don't, I feel bad about myself. Yeah. So there's no healthy, like, middle ground, I don't think, for me at least. I'm too sensitive.
0: Man, I'm too sensitive to it too, I, and I I still let it affect you know I let it affect me a lot of times. Or I notice, yeah. like you're saying, to have some wherewithal that I go there for certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, did you just kind of pick that up, or did you always know it, or did you did did you kind of like like did did you notice that happening? You're like, yeah, this isn't good. I
1: stopped going on Instagram one month ago. Wow, because I was just like, damn, dude. Like every day I wake up, it's the first thing I check. Say what? Are, what are people saying about me today? Like, yeah, am I still okay? Oh yeah, or like, am I still okay? Do my fans still fuck with me? Like, uh, do they like the video I just dropped? You know what I mean? Like,
0: right? Did something come out in the middle of the night of me picking my nose or something? Yeah, and now I can't go anywhere. Or just,
1: or just like, you know, like how how are my stats doing? Or but even more specifically, like, when, like I, it started actually when I around right when I dropped the Alex Jones interview, and everyone was like, Why would you platform? Why would you platform? And then people, other people were like, You're a fucking G for giving this guy a voice, and I was just like, I can't deal with this. I just want to like make cool stuff i I still check YouTube comments and stuff like that, but i'm I'm not trying to like be constantly engaged in my own feedback loop. It's so unhealthy, dude, yeah, it's scary. It puts you at the center of the, the universe, even if you're no matter what level you're at, you could be a small level dude, but if every day you're engaging with people who love or hate you, and I don't have much hate. I have a lot of love, but that makes hate stick out so much more. You know it's like I could see like a thousand positive comments and then if I see one negative comment. Like, those words are, like, etched into my brain, like, the whole next two days. So true. I just can't turn it off. I'm like, damn, did I, did I fuck up this interview? Like, am I falling off? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and I just I had to stop, dude.
0: It's amazing how that can overwhelm it, how that can overwhelm whatever all the proof that we would think we have built into our system of yeah. because of our own, like, lives, you know? Mm-hmm. It's amazing, man. You know, if you have a high balance on your credit card, it can really be devilish. It can be that thing every month you're throwing money away, throwing it down to the dogs, to the debt dogs. Well, that can change a credit card consolidation from Lightstream can help you pay off your credit cards and lock in a low fixed interest rate. That's right. Rates start at 6.99% APR with autopay and excellent credit. You can get a loan from 5000 to 100000 and That's a that's a real amount, and there are absolutely no fees. You can even get your money as soon as the day that you apply. Just for my listeners, apply now to get a special interest rate discount and save even more. The only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash T-H-E-O. That's Lightstream L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash Theo. Subject to credit approval rates range from six point nine nine percent APR to nineteen point nine nine percent APR and include point five percent auto pay discount. Lowest rates re- lowest rate requires excellent credit. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit Lightstream.com slash Theo for more information. Be well. Life is scary. When you realize your dog might have fleas and you might have them too. Dang it. Life is scary when you're eating uh when you're eating yogurt and there's something in it and there ain't supposed to be nothing in it. Life is scary when um when your cousin comes over and burns your house down. Oh. That's a tough one. Yep, life is scary when it's your first date and your body hurts. You you uh, you might have appendicitis. Never know. What I'm talking about is the Sunday Scaries. They can happen any day of the week. And I want to tell you about Sunday Scaries CBD gummies. They were made to, def- to defeat the crap that life throws at us. They're the perfect CBD gummies for professionals on the grind, super moms, students, party animals, regretful drunk sexters and everyone in between i don't know how it's going to help the sexting but it might i don't relax well and you might not either you are welcome to try sunday scaries cbd gummies look we all have the right to live scare free that's right so they recommend taking two cbd gummies every day to keep the scaries away I can offer you this 25% discount visit sundayscaries.com s u n d a y s c a r i e s .com and use promo code THEO for your discount. That's promo code T H E O for 25% off at sundayscaries s c a r i e s .com. Yeah, no, I think it's interesting. I think it's brave to give, to have guys on that are different, you know, like yeah. we get pitch guys sometimes or, or, or girls and I'm like, I don't know, but then that's the part where I need to lean in and say, yes, I want to have to talk mm-hmm. because I want to be able to share some of my truth and, and, or, and hear something different, you know? Yeah. yeah. I think, I think it's, you do a great job of, of being in that space. Do you feel like you ever go to a place just to
1: pick on a group? Never. Not anymore. I mean, I like when I, f- I think when I first started, it was a lot of low hanging fruit, but I, I developed a respect for interview subjects pretty quickly. I mean, there's some groups that i it's clear from, you know, how I'm talking to them that I am trying to po- sort of poke holes in what they're saying. Mm-hmm. But no, I don't go try to pick on people. You know, if anything, I try to understand people. Yeah. You know, because picking on people is really easy. Like anything that society sees as weird, like furries or flat earthers, It's very easy to show up, point fingers, make fun of them, ask them weird questions. But when you ask the why and how did you end up like this is when it gets really interesting because you get to just follow that why infinitely till you get to the core of what drove them to the fringe. And that's the shit that fascinates me because it's always the same. What is it? Just community, Mm. loneliness, isolation, being ostracized by the traditional group that they were around, online echo chambers. Loneliness, personal failure, personal aspirations. It's common themes like old school shit. Um, yeah, those are tropes that have been around forever, huh? Yeah, that's what it comes back to. What does tropes mean? Does that make any sense? It does make sense. All right, I'll take oh, it. Oh, it also comes back to the Jews a lot. Really? Yeah. Because they started it? No, like hella people don't like Jews.
0: Oh, yeah. Kanye was talking about that. Do you think that many people don't like Jew? I think it's, I mean, I think it's, because what did Kanye – they were getting on Kanye. I mean, he's been saying some horrible shit. Yeah. You know, that Kanye shit is sad. But do you think people should just be – but he, should he be shut down from saying stuff
1: or he can just say – I guess people can going to say whatever they want. If he says, I'm about to go death con three on the Jews and he's telling his audience that, like, um, yeah. he, he, uh, Hollywood and music is this. totally controlled by Jews, like, it is true that there is – like highly influential Jewish people in Hollywood, but it's controlled by money people, bro, capitalists of of all shapes and sizes, and they're not yeah. loyal to each other. But, you know, do you like, think
0: that that those type that those that money people aren't loyal to each other?
1: I mean, in a sense of collaboration, but shit, they're all trying to race to the top. That's how it's uh, working. And the idea that there's some sort of cohesion there, it's yeah. not really true. I mean, like, there is collaboration, but like what Kanye is talking about is being exploited by you know predatory. Uh, recording, I mean, uh, uh, record companies and shit like that, and labels—that's a real thing. The media inv- be invading his life, you know, TMZ showing up to his house at three o'clock in the morning and asking him about his mental health, like every element of his private life being publicized by media outlets—that's a real thing, right? And so it's like he's so close to talking about that, but then he is obviously someone in his ear being like, "It's it's all about the Jews," and he's like, "And then my Jewish personal trainer—it's it's sad. A lot of people don't even know that they're being anti-Semitic." And I also think the phrase anti-Semitic, gets so overused.
0: Yeah, people say it's tough because you can't even, sometimes it feels like you can't even say G- the word Jew or Jewish yeah. and you're suddenly like, this person's anti-Semitic. It's yeah. like, well, you could say black or white or Christian or yeah. you know Muslims or Slims,
1: some people call them. Yeah. But... I'm just saying conspiracy thought the idea that like every anomaly and everything that goes a little bit weird is not a result of human error. It's a calculated deep state plot. Oh. Every sort of loophole, there's loopholes in everyone's reporting and everything, has, everything goes wrong. People think the CIA is doing all this crazy shit. They tried to kill Castro in Cuba like 45 times. Wow. The CIA can't pull off anything correctly. Our government can't do anything right. Yeah, yet somehow people think they're capable of these massive like mind control conspiracies. I was like, "Then why do the roads look like that?" Yeah, I just don't get how people think that that this all powerful deep state can manipulate and control the entire planet.
0: Yeah, that's true. If you can't even get me from like Saint George to El Paso, yeah, then how are you going to get me from like exactly. uh, the aliens to um, you know to the Octagon? Right. People are bad at secrets too, man. Yeah, people are bad at secrets. That's a good point. I always think that a lot about secrets. Like, why, if somebody knew something on their deathbed, why are they going to hold on to it, especially yeah. anymore? I could see 50 years ago when there was this more, like, loyalism to America, too, like, we yeah. are this thing. Like, people I felt like had bought into, like, we are this text, this thread, this woven blanket. But now it seems like we are, the like, that's, that's disappearing.
1: Yeah. Like, if they told Trump about the aliens, he would tell in a half hour. He would fucking tell us. Yeah. He'd be like, I will not be, you know, a puppet of the CIA. Yeah. (laughs) There's a spacecraft (laughs) below the White House. It's been there for 30 years. It's not what he sounds like, but that's how he would say it. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Totally true. But, and that's
0: why I don't think they could get all, all these pilots and people that have died over the years that I don't think they could
1: get any of those people to keep a secret anymore. Do you think? No.
0: Somebody would make a TikTok at, in a h- half hour for their dad. Like,
1: my dad just told me this. Yeah. It would be the kids of of these uh, Area 51 people. They're yeah. like, so my dad just dropped the bomb on me, like all that shit. Area 51 is so sick, dude. Yeah. Have you been over there? I tried to go. I went to the raid of Area 51 in 2019. One of my first I think I remember that. Things. And it was a letdown, huh? The only guy we got arrested was this like recently divorced father of 3 who was in a, like a he was sleeping in the back of his Subaru next to our RV mm-hmm. and he was like they're fucking in there and I'm going and he tried to storm it by himself and he got like, you know, machine guns in his face. Wow. Yeah. Dang, do you think did you get the feeling when you were there that they're holding something? No, I think they're just, you know, experimenting with drones. Why why would it be Area 51? Like there's merch along the whole highway saying there's aliens there. Yeah. They would have moved them by now through a different black box site.
0: Do you feel like we've had a lot of encounters and, or do you feel like we've had few? A lot, dude. Totally. Do you feel like that there are alien figures amongst us, that they have that kind of technology to put people amongst us that are actually beings
1: from other planets or worlds? Yeah. I mean, like you ever looked into like the eyes of like a, like a Nordic dude, like a six foot seven, like a Viking-looking person, cold blue maybe eyes. Maybe six four, maybe. That's evidence right there.
0: Yeah, I gotta look deeper next time. I think I didn't. I, I guess I didn't look that deep. The but joke
1: there is pretty much all alien conspiracy theorists, such as Bob Brown in Nevada, think that people from Norway are aliens. Oh, really? Or or that they possess some sort of reptilian or um, old school lumerian dna wow which gives them that sort of uh look that iridescent and also architectural capability Mm. ikea
0: yeah you want to follow the uh the directions or whatever yeah you know yeah damn well i think sometimes that aliens come here i think we are like aliens advanced far past us right like even if you see us now we're becoming like meeker figures we only use our brains you see an alien it's like just the brain looks active the body just looks like this dormant sort of like non-genital no tits even anymore never just like the body seems very like you don't notice it it's just that kind of like diamond oval head with the big eyes so there's a lot of brain activity thinking yeah that's what i feel like so aliens they've moved off here a long time ago i think they come by every now and then to see like the plant like it's almost like if your parents took you like, some shitty water park, it's, like, a yeah. poor, poor alien families, no offense. Yeah. But if a alien family's real poor, then they'll, like, or they didn't get tickets to, like, the cool planet to go see yeah then they stop there the kids are like what the fuck we're over
1: here yeah like this place is weird as shit yeah this place sucks they, yeah, they see the Capitol riot like will smith punching chris rock yeah These they, people are fucking morons <laughs> let's get up out of here yes that's what i think happens
0: all the time some shitty dad tries to bring his kids here and his wife here to save their fucking family or to do yeah and
1: he didn't plan ahead and the kids like to get the fuck out of here they land at talladega race weekend <laughs> yeah. they're like what the fuck uh no, but I would think the aliens would actually be on a smaller level, like on microbial small level, so mm-hmm. they can uh, you know kind of l- look at us like they could be like cell sized, you Ooh. know, condensed because they don't want to be identified. Everyone assumes they're these like gargantuan Cthulhu looking District Nine creatures who are gonna come down and like scare the shit out of us. But why they always look like shrimp in the movies, you know, like giant lobsters? Yeah, I think they're really be, like floating through the air like little dust particles, be like. hey. Eh. You know what I'm saying? Dude, that's more of a vibe, too. And a dust particle. When
0: you watch them, how they move, they move like alien vessels a lot of times. They move with purpose. Yeah. That purposeful dust, homie. For real. Damn. That's almost what we are as humans. Uh Uh-huh. We're fucking, we think we're purposeful dust. That's a fact. Damn, bro. Um... When you went, when you go into some places, do you ever have, do you have a lot of fear? Obviously, you know, I understand now from like you're growing up and stuff like that and some of your energy, like, um, like I remember from my dad, my dad would sell, do like credit card signups at colleges and stuff when I was, when I was a kid. And so, uh. We'd roll over there, and, like, we'd get all the shit out, and, like, you know, he's 78 years old. He's signing people up, and I would get up on the table and bark at college kids going by to get them to come mm-hmm. and sign up, and they get, like, a free hat or something. That's fun. That says, like, Chase Bank, you know, something yeah. just, like, hat. frisbee. Yeah, yeah. Pretty, now it would be cool. Back then, it was yeah, horrible. For sure. But now it would be a fire hat, and... uh so I could see where you being in your environments growing up and, like, having, like, um, interaction with people. Yeah. Where it makes you fit into your world now real comfortably. Are there places you've got in that make you – have made you kind of fearful or scared?
1: Like Honestly, not really because, like, with the camera rolling, people aren't really going to test you. I think that, like, the most nervous I've ever been was, like, I was – uh I was trying to do SEC games for a while. So like I was at the Roll Tide, I was at the Auburn Roll Tide game oh, yeah. in it's Tuscaloosa. A it's a big so, one. So home game for Alabama. Alabama lost the home game. Wow. And so like people were fighting in the streets. Like, you know, you know how it goes. Oh yeah. College football in the South is a real serious thing. I'm watching 50, 60 year old dudes who, you know, were in their were in frats four years ago rumble out old beefs yeah. in front of the Waffle House of Tuscaloosa. I'm like, man, this is tough. And pe- when people were fighting right in front of you, my first thought is I want to interview them while they're fighting. Right. You know, so I want to be like, hey, what's going on? How'd this start? <laughs> and then they would, Doof, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> I mean, we had a couple situations in Tuscaloosa where people would try to take our cameras and be like, who the fuck are you guys? And we're like, uh, YouTubers are like, get the fuck out of our party. You know, also they're very comfortable with violence at Southern schools. Yeah. There's not really consequences for like big brawls. At schools in the South, at just in, in fraternity environments, like there would be on a regular street anywhere
0: else. Yeah, I think Southern culture, it's more like, uh, especially in the South, you're looking at more like uh, fight outside of the bar. Energy.
1: Yeah, it's like Australians. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's just like, yeah, they settle the score after. Yeah, no it's like a bunch of baked
0: bean Australians kind of.
1: Literally. And yeah. no one's called the cops, really. They kind of let things happen. Right. So like, you know, that's the only place. Fr- frats is probably the worst place for me to film dude it's funny when I remember growing it. yeah
0: frats is a weird energy because it's also like but then if they like you and they know who you are then it is a different the energy can be different unless you test that one dude who doesn't know
1: yeah that sometimes can be weird this was like when we were pretty like lesser known so it was a lot scarier yeah probably now if I were to like message some frat in advance and being like I'm coming back to uh, Ole Miss They'd they'd be like oh we're gonna show you the best party ever yeah
0: um, what about, I saw you that you went into O block, you went into like Chicago and they have yep. like a lot of like, is that one of the areas where they have a lot of crime, where they've had a lot of
1: crime violence? Yeah. Wow. I wasn't scared there or anything. Cause like, you know, they just took good care of us. Also, nobody wants to be perceived that way in media. So they're going to go above and beyond to make sure that everyone knows that like when I got to O block, everyone knew that I was coming and they were just like, Hey, good to meet you. We, we checked your stuff out. Welcome.
0: Yeah. That's yeah. interesting.
1: Yeah, there you go right there, dude. That's fire. Yeah, I would say, what they say, the hood or whatever is probably the least scary place to film. Wow. You know, because your intention is clear. You know, you're a white guy with a camera crew. It's like everyone knows what that is. Nothing is going to happen to you. That's a good point. Where where there's more commonality, there's more uh, potential for violence as a journalist. You know what I mean? It's the classic thing of like Louis Thoreau. From England, yeah. when he did his weird weekend series. Him being British as an outsider, I think gave him a pass to kind of come in and be more confrontational. Whereas, like, I'm more likely to be in a violent situation with someone who is a similar, looks like me, and is in a similar age range to me. Because mm. they kind of feel like, oh, it's more like buddy, buddy, like broed out. I even see it with fans. Like, f- if any frat age white fan will come up and just bear hug the shit out of me, you yeah. know, there's just less of a barrier. Whereas like anyone older or younger will be a little bit more cautious or in a different socioeconomic place.
0: That's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting how some fans interact or some supporters of you will interact. Yeah. Like the other day at the airport, a guy was just yelling at me like, Dio, Dio. But it was like, we knew each other, but we didn't know each other. Yeah. But it was like, and he kept looking at me like I should have acted a certain way, but I didn't really know how to like, yeah. It's interesting how different people's perceptions of running across somebody that they've seen before. Yeah, I think
1: for you too, because you podcast, like people, it's more parasocial because they feel like they've spent so much time with you. Oh, yeah. Because they get off work, they're driving home, whatever, they're listening to you like you're pretty much there in the car with them. They're laughing along with you Yeah, or they're laughing along with us like right now.
0: Yeah, if somebody says, I listen to the podcast, I immediately go into a different place with them as well. As opposed to someone saying, I saw your stand-up special. Or somebody just saying, uh, hey, man, I saw you on TikTok or I saw you on this or that. Because TikTok, uh, you know, people have cut up, I think we're almost at like a billion interact views on TikTok, right? For the? For just my name hashtag, right? Oh, cool. So kind of cool, but also like I didn't create probably most of those 90% of that yeah other people made stuff and put it out there yeah so it's kind of weird so it's like you get put out there in a way you don't even want to be maybe put out there yeah like it's still your stuff they're cutting up yeah but it's just kind of interesting it's like they can kind of shape whatever you know and then people can see you more maybe than you wanted to be seen i don't know
1: yeah, and you give people a lot of yourself, you know. It's interesting. You have to though. I feel like the comedian lane is a bit different. And I remember when I first came out to L.A., like I went on your podcast and I went on some other comedians' podcast, and I was like, "Damn, your guys' job is hard." Shout out to you guys. Like I don't know how you come up with all this shit all the time. Really? You just you, you just have to have this like verbose gift of gab to just spice up. Because I'm sure, like for example, you probably have told a lot of the same stories. Oh yeah. And but you have to come with that sort of original energy. It was like, when you asked me about like the hitchhiking story, like I would have told it like funnier if I hadn't already you told said it, it like tw- 20 times, yeah, 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 but I feel like you guys have to have this almost like r- a respawning ability that is just like superhuman.
0: Yeah. I think it be- doing it with people helps more. Yeah. You know, that's why even like right when you walked in, I really felt like I lit up on the inside. Cause I was like, oh man, I get to talk with someone today. Right. And so that's, it is more, it's nicer sounds than just talking by myself. Um, you know, I find a lot of people like will send in calls to podcasts. Like there's a lot of guys out there struggling these days. You yeah. Know? A lot of people are. We're trying to figure out what you know, it's a weird time to be human. Do you think that? Yeah,
1: definitely. What do you mean by that though?
0: I feel like as we're switching more into like uh, putting more of our feelings and everything and in our intentions and everything, we're so reliant on media. Yeah. And and uh just human interaction has kind of taken a back seat. Yeah, Um. but it's also hasn't. So it's this weird, like this weird thing because we're almost more interactive than ever. Yeah, but it's not very real.
1: It is, but it's like we're almost transitioning. Yeah, it's it's it kind of sucks. That's why I've tapped out from it. I'm trying to reverse engineer my own life. Like I have like cuz I I had to use Instagram and in these platforms. I'm sure you did too to get to where I am now. Yeah. But I've crossed this threshold where it's like I don't need it anymore. You know what I mean? Like like you you probably barely do either too. I mean, people are going to watch your podcast and they're going to watch your specials. Regardless of if you have to post stories or whatever, I mean, yeah. I'm sure it helps. But it's like once you're past that point, I'm not gonna hate on social media or anything. Like that's yeah, it's, it's it got me to where I'm at, you know. But like, I'm gonna tap out from it, like, because my human interactions have been low, especially in the past two years. Yeah, like, dude, it's like my real friends. Like, I don't know. I need more real, real friends, mm. not just like cool online friends,
0: but like real homies yeah no i feel you man and it gets addictive though too that's another thing about it like i almost wondered why did they let us have phones because they're so addictive it's like is yeah. it safe it's almost like a cigarette it's like yeah at a certain point where we realize this is this has ruined us totally and instagram is low-key like kind of pornographic too you know what i mean like a social like a like a adrenaline porn or something no
1: like it literally is
0: Oh, yeah, I see them tits on there sometimes.
1: No, like, like like a lot of my friends, like I look at their feeds and it's just like attractive women, attractive men, right. just like constantly. And I'm like, damn, that must be kind of weird for you. you that, that's I mean? all your influence like, is. Like you're like going on your phone and just like scrolling through like people you think are like super bomb all the time. Like, oh, yeah. Kind of rots your brain a little bit. Like, you know, you're going through your day and you're like, you, they look amazing. They look amazing. Yeah. they look amazing. Oh, that's the homie. I'm missing out. I'm missing out. This person looks good. I'm like, dude, that that sucks.
0: Yeah, because the second you go back to your regular world, when yeah. you take that away from your eyes and you look at your regular world, your regular world doesn't stand a chance. Right. Really? Sure. And it's designed like that. Right. You know? right. That's the part I think people don't realize, man. We don't realize that there are these shape-shifting goons, Jews, you know what I'm <laughs> talking about, uh, in the distance who are... You know, but, but that's, uh, we don't realize that a lot of that has been, I, you know, it's, it's been, I mean, they have got us down to an algorithm. Jordan Peterson talks about that. It's like, we can't, the algorithm is so strong. If you want to still own yourself, you have to almost come to, you have to come to your own rescue, man.
1: Yeah, you do. And there's an algorithm for everything. And people only realize when they're in it. Like even Jordan Peterson talking about that. He's also got an algorithm. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? And once you, if you watch one Jordan Peterson video, you're going to, they're going to, you're going to see him every day. And the same goes for a, Jordan Peterson cookbook. Lobster, lobster, yeah. lobster. Like lobster. for an experiment, you know, the mob boss, Michael Franzese. Yes. I watched one Vlad TV interview with Michael Franzese. And I'm like, let me watch four of these. Dude, my phone was like a mafia phone <laughs> for like a week. Every time I went on there, it's like <laughs> Sammy the Bull describes his first hit. You know what I mean? And it's just like best soprano scenes, you know, good fellas intro. And I'm, dude, I'm watching this shit all day. You know, I'm like Lacosa Nostra over here on my phone for a fucking week. And, you know, I'm, I start talking like these dudes. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I start, no, I start talking to my homies about the mafia. My guy Evan's like, dude, stop talking about the mob. I'm like, what? You know, I'm like, no, but it's crazy. The code of silence is crazy, dude. It's really blood in, blood out, you know, but not all Sicilians are bad. You know, and Evan's like, stop saying this shit. Let's talk about something else. And I'm like, I realized. You know, all moments of privacy, which should have been me time to think about my life. I was thinking about La Cosa Nostra. Wow. And that's not right. Uh-uh. No one should think about the mob for more than like an hour a week. Oh, yeah. I think and even that seemed like a lot, you know, yeah. especially if there's
0: not a recipe coming really shortly after the thoughts. you Yeah. Know? You think the mob is still around? If they are, first of all, I noticed i noticed for a fact they do a lot of just trash hauling
1: is what they do now. Yeah. The mob has severely been reduced. You don't think they're walking into like Stumptown Coffee in Brooklyn <laughs> breaking kneecaps <me> <laughs> and being like, give me five cents off this latte.
0: I think they're like the comedy central. Basically, they're like comedy yeah. central. Like they just fucking didn't get on
1: social media
0: and no. they fucking fell apart.
1: Yeah, they, they should have adapted. Oh, had like a dope ass, like cartel style branding campaign. Yeah, instead, they started like a Jordan
0: Klepper show or something and it fucking tanked and they yeah. never got their feet back under them. Um, Let's bring them back, dude. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, but the mafia, I would love to see them back. Yeah. I would love a fucking Italian to just beat hit me with a bat when I'm going for a job. Yo, yeah, you yeah. Because <laughs> here's one thing I realized if somebody walked up to me, and punched me for no reason, right? Yeah. But they said, you know what that's for? I would find some, I would find a reason in my head why. Yeah. And i was like, damn, okay. I think you could do that to anybody.
1: What do you think would be the first thing that would come to mind?
0: Mm, probably stealing something when I was younger, maybe. Yeah. Or, you know, you know, bad sex, maybe. Yeah. Like you had me drive all the way over there for that bad sex. Yeah. Or my, you know, you made my sister come over for that bad sex.
1: Yeah. You were heavy into stealing when you were younger?
0: Yeah, I like to have stuff, man. And I'd tell yeah. people, I'd have their stuff on and tell them I didn't have it, you know? Like retail? Yeah. And even undergarments, men's undergarments. Yeah. You've came a long way, man. Yeah. Thanks, man. I, You know, I feel, yeah, at least now I can afford my own stuff. Haynes would probably send you a pack.
1: <laughs> that
0: would be good. They're gonna see this. Shout out to Haynes. Um, I want to know about your movie before you go, man. I want to know a little bit more about
1: it. Yeah, man. Ask away.
0: Uh, what can we look forward to? Obviously, there's some parts of it that are what.
1: There's parts of the movie that I'm gonna be screening at the upcoming tour. Okay, that's a fact. I'm gonna screen like some sick. At- HBO just finally agreed to let me show some scenes. Okay, HBO has been awesome to work with. Really? Yeah, dude. Wow. Sick. Shout out to Nina at HBO. It's just been fun, dude. Like working with a company that's like keeps it real, mm-hmm. and you know it's
0: HBO. And especially you came. You had some bad. You had bad experiences with that before, right? Hell yeah, dude. I remember you were in. Right after I met you through uh, with King and the Sting, you that's when
1: you got into the dispute with your own organization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, That that was a horrible thing. Yeah, but you know, I'm happy that uh, it ended in like a cataclysmic fucking gnarly way. Yeah, because I had to go independent. Like I had to start Channel Five. Right, because I had like the the fire under my ass, being like, you know, you got fucked over. Like respawn, kill it. Like start your own thing. That thing's going to be bigger. You know, I feel like if I didn't have that dramatic. Split from the all gas, no Breaks parent company, I'd probably would have just drifted into like comedic obscurity. Honestly,
0: what do you what, what was a moment in there? What was some more of that? Tell me about that. because so, other people this happens, this happens to people a lot where people, you know, they're con- the, the deal isn't right, or
1: they don't feel like if they leave something that they're still going to be able to survive. Yeah, there's just very like low regulation in like the Instagram and TikTok management uh, world. It's not like film and you know acting and shit where you have guilds and unions. Like you can get pimped, you can get the blood pimped out of you by someone who manages influencers. Yeah, there's no rules or regulations. It's wow. like the wild west. I, I there's been contracts much worse than mine, but I had what they call a three sixty deal. They talk about it a lot in rap music. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a full management contract. So that means I can't acquire any money or get any if i if i get a sponsorship deal it runs through the parent company I, every stream of revenue that is to Andrew Callahan will have to be processed by the parent company and they'll give me 20% of that profit after expenses are recouped so it's a shitty deal yeah uh it was good at first because they gave me 45k a year bought me an rv i thought i was in heaven but there was no show yet right as the show got bigger and bigger you know we're getting i see that we're making like so much on patreon every month and through merch yeah. and i'm like i want more money than i'm getting right now i'm getting yeah i deserve more i'm getting paid literally the salary of a manager at raising canes and like shout out to them (laughs) and i'm like you know like they work hard they're not even a sponsor i love this hat (laughs) sorry go on and then like
0: man so so, so, yeah so that happens it happens to people but it ended up making you didn't fold though
1: yeah, I mean, so back to it. I mean, the, the big lesson from that whole shit is like, read your contracts and uh, know what real money looks like, you know, because before you start, you know, really succeeding in media, 45K a year seems like a great deal. But then in the world of adults, that's like a below standard salary. Right. But you just don't know that because you're young as fuck. But well, you like, were 21, 22. I was just interning for Seattle Weekly and writing oh, for my man. college newspaper for free. So it's like, anyways, somewhere right, right before August No Breaks kind of tanked, uh, we signed a deal to make a movie with Tim and Eric's company, absolutely. And then Jonah Hill's company, Strong, Baby, latched onto it, and it became this whole like lot of chefs in the kitchen making this. Uh, the movie is about the 2020 election and uh, the events that led up to the Capitol riot and, oh, the, and wow. the aftermath. So we're making this movie. I remember I'm, I'm I'm in the South Philly Walmart in this RV. We're out of propane, so there was no heat. It's 21 degrees. And I'm getting these emails from the All Gas No Breaks parent company that are like, we need you to produce two pieces of Patreon content or we're going to fire you guys. And this is while I'm making a movie. And I'm like, I don't have time to do that. I, I'm freezing. It was horrible. And so I kind of refused. You know, I asked for more money. I said, okay, I'll work a second job now. Just give me more than 20% of the profit share. They're like, nah. We're keeping you at 20%. They fired Nick and Evan just to make a statement after Damn. I asked them for more bread. And those are your uh, associates? Yeah, still, they, they're they partners and owners of Channel 5. Right. And then like, yeah, dude, it just got so bad. They were just being like, and they, I got this thing in the mail. My LA house, it was like, if you don't make a video for all gas, no breaks, by the end of the month, you're fired. In the mail? What are they? are they...
0: Where did they send it from? The past? Did they travel back in time and I know, write a fucking right? letter? Like, what's going on? <laughs>
1: That's insane. But looking back on it, I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm glad it fell apart. I don't have really negative feelings towards any of those guys. Yeah. You know, I was, I was always supposed to be independent. Yeah.
0: You know. And you always have been, probably really in your own way.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: You like being,
1: it seems like you like having control over what you put out. Yeah. In a way, I almost feel bad for those guys. Because they made such a bad business decision.
0: Right. Well, at first they made a great business because they saw the value in you. Yeah. So that's almost, that's that's cool. Yeah. But then they chose
1: to not do it fairly. Yeah, because I would have kept working for All Gas No Breaks. Like the the show would have been going right now if they would have just been like, Andrew wants more money? Sure. Give it to him. But I remember the dude said to me, we have a bunch of connections in the comedy world. We'll be fine. We're going to replace you. And I was like, bro, I do the editing. It's my show. It's like my concept. They they actually created a bunch of copycat pages that are active right now Mm. with my exact style, with other comedians hosting it. It's just a shameful endeavor. But, you know, I don't know. Sometimes you take L's and you just got to keep it pushing. But I think they should have just left my formula alone. Yeah, dude. I mean,
0: if you put a bunch of L's together, bruh. You got a bunch
1: of L's, but you fucking okay, you that's, might be doing fat. better. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. hey, man, shout out to those guys. Like, they put me on it first. You know, it's
0: a good attitude to have, man.
1: I try not to have any. I just try to like not be negative about shit. You know, even though it's easy to be, especially when you like got kind of burned like that. Yeah, but once you, once you start being negative, people start being negative back. I know it's basic, but like even with my O Block video, you know, like I had, like. I showed two other like journalists in that, maybe not in like the best light, you know, because I was doing like a sort of expose about like what I saw as like the exploitation of like drill music by like media members who run like an interview cycle based upon like fact checking someone's street credibility. Okay. For clicks and views. I talked about how that actually fuels real life violence because it kind of breaks down the inner workings of gang beef to like the general listening public and just makes people, like, not only fans of the music, but fans of, like, the gang lore behind the music, which, you know what I'm saying?
0: It's oh, like interesting. A- no, I know what you're saying. I just, I'm trying to imagine how a channel would do something like that. Or how- Basically,
1: like, um, uh, drill music is, like, completely full of, like, dissing people's dead family members, dissing dead enemies. There's a whole gang lore behind every drill scene, whether it be Jacksonville, Philadelphia, Chicago, with specific characters and legends and people like that. But the general YouTube public didn't know about what they were saying until like a a second industry of, uh, you know, people who I call gang gossip YouTubers ran like a, a, a news circuit based upon like breaking shit down, Ah. you know? And like that sort of exposed the inner workings of of, like Chicago's gang conflict to like the just greater civilian public, stoked the flames of it, made it worse. Is that helpful when they do that or no? I think that- uh, It's just clickbait. I think that at its best, like there's some people who do it really well. Like this one guy, um, Trap Laura Ross. He does like a really good job at like, you know, breaking down sort of the insanity and like, the specifics of certain conflicts that should people should know about, you know, because there's people dying about like the hundreds here, like in Jacksonville. Right. But I think that when it's a, a gossip-based click cycle, like you'll never guess what gang this rapper's from. Psh, you know, that to me is whack. Right. But what I was saying is in the O'Block video, I interviewed two dudes who were in that world and I just felt like while I do have my problems with like how they use their platform to a certain degree, it felt bad coming at anyone. I don't want to do it again, mm. you know, like just putting the, ne- putting any negativity in the world. And like, I felt it kind of come back towards me when they had their responses and mm. then people were, and I was just like, man, right. I don't want to start any beef with any other media members. Like fuck all that. Like, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's tough to navigate. Cause sometimes people will steal, like, will borrow your shit or do something like that too, you And you're like, man, yeah. this is fucked up. It's like, do I want to, you know, like, it's like, do I call this out? Like, there's a clothing company that, like, totally copied a shirt that I made, right? Like, a merch. And it was like, do I bring this up or is that just going to bring more attention to them, you know? Yeah. It's tough to navigate sometimes, stuff like that. I know that's a different comparison.
1: Yeah, Um, But it's like once you start calling people out for shit and then all of a sudden you're susceptible because people – now that you've stooped to that level of like internet beef, people start realizing it's an opportunity to capitalize on you. And they start internet beefing with you because they know that you play that game now. Right, And I just don't want to do it. I stand behind my coverage of Oblock, but it's just like I don't know. Is it scary to see like, you
0: know, you get environments like that where there's a lot of violence, you know, a lot of like growing up, like two of my closest black friends from growing up both got killed. Right. And, um, by other black guys growing up, there's just a lot of like, you know, there's a, there's a lot of black young men killed. You know, there's a lot of violence in that community. Yeah, You see a lot of like the rap music and stuff. And, you know, I love, I I love the music, Mm -hmm. but is it. I wonder sometimes I find like by listening to this music, am I just perpetuating part of this thing?
1: Well, the music is very much a part of the circumstances and like a reflection of the environment and the culture that creates it. The real villain in the story of the mainstream proliferation of drill music is the record labels who are fucking pushing this shit and like owning the masters to mainstream hits about like basically doing mass shootings, you know? So as a listener, man, it sounds dope. No, you're not perpetuating it. The music sounds tight. They could be talking about whatever, right? But it's the it's the record labels that you know make kids' bop versions of songs and shit like that. You know, to to me, I felt like when I do something again, if I ever step back into the realm of covering drill music, I I, I feel like the record labels and the people who control and incentivize that are the missing uh, sort of investigation, mm-hmm. the missing piece to my investigative investigative reporting. You know do you feel like you're like you bow your reporting down to
0: anything like you there's like there's angles you're afraid to go to or things you won't talk about
1: like it's hard to stay neutral yeah i mean i'll talk about whatever but and there's certain issues that i take more seriously than others it's hard to stay out of the pocket of big business too you know as you grow yeah cuz they'll they'll take your
0: clips and they'll run them if it is with their agenda You know what I mean? Or they could start to make you look a certain way, like this guy does this or, you know. Yeah. They have just just a lot of power out
1: there. Especially when you start to succeed. And that's why I wanted to get off social media because it's, like, I remember one time I was, like, out in a nice restaurant and, like, I had, like, I had got shots for everybody and someone took a picture of me and they were, like, I see where our Patreon money's going. Oh, wow. You know, and shit like that, where I'm just, like, bro, like, I just, like, let me enjoy my life to a degree. Like, I'm supporting my entire family now, basically. You know what I mean? So it's, like, I don't know, man. Success is hella weird because I never thought I'd be someone who was, was successful and it comes with a whole different responsibility and it's harder to make real friends. It's scary kind of, isn't it? It's hella scary, especially when you're young. You know, and you, 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 you popped off when you're young too. Yeah. So you know what it's like. It's like, damn. Like I have less friends than ever, you know? But the friends that I do have are really strong. Yeah, but like I can't be around it. And your own
0: ego—I got scared of my own ego too because you know, feeling like I had a I was at a loss, you know, yeah. in, of like uh, attention or affection growing up. Then I was like, oh, this is important, you yeah. know, like this specific part of it. You know, that can be scary.
1: Yeah, it's all interesting. I think people look for like uh, examples of ego exaggeration too. To Mm. be like, oh, this guy's super full of himself because he did this. Yeah. Like, once you succeed, people look for a villain arc Mm. to be like, oh, he he used to be dope. But, you know, now he's at Soho House and he's going to Equinox and paying for hot stone massages. And I just saw him with AirPods in. Yeah. You know, fuck that guy. What a sellout. Yeah. You know, and like, that's a real narrative. Especially, you know, I'm someone who like cares about, you know, issues of like racial justice and shit. Yeah. So it's like, that's not that compatible with having money. And my goal is not to have money, but it's like when you succeed, people kind of know you're doing it, you're doing well. And like every time I sell merch, which is, which is like the money goes right back into funding <laughs> Channel 5. But everyone's just like, have fun like grifting or whatever i'm just like whatever people
0: want to support you people want to have your stuff they want to yeah. be like oh i like this this is something cool i used to think about that we try to sell merch at a fair price and we try to do the best that we can and at a certain point you you can spend all day i can sit there and be like a guy who's handling all my merch stuff or merch yeah. issues but then i'm not even creating anything that people want or even honoring myself by being cre- it's like there's only so many wars you can fight you know dude for sure and that's why i'm just like chilling on the chilling on the Instagram yeah good for you man it's brave and it's hard to do yeah it's like vaping for your fucking uh, ego yeah I'm one
1: month off wow crazy damn that's powerful dude I didn't know that um, yeah I'm, I'm not gonna delete I'm not I'm not gonna no. make any public statement being like screen time is bad for you the coolest shit to do is just with, withdraw on your own time because the only thing lamer than being addicted to Instagram is being one of those people who's like publicly against Instagram. Yeah, you know on I mean? Instagram. Yeah, yeah, on Instagram, being yeah. like, I'm taking a break for my mental recovery. It's like, oh, are you? Yeah. Uh, thanks for letting us know, dude. Uh, this no. isn't part of your long term uh, Instagram yeah. plan, is it? Taking a break from my break, then they'll
0: come back and take a break from the break. You know, break? Oh, that was
1: so refreshing. Great to see you guys again. How's it going? Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's been four days. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, what about the love life, man? Do you do you envision yourself? Are you dating? Is there anything like that for you? Do you like uh? Like affection?
1: Yeah, for sure. It's just hard to navigate in this, the position that I'm in, you know? Yeah. I like, I'm like hyper, um, not hypercritical, but like I definitely trust problems. Yeah. Because of like the position that I'm in. I feel like I'm really paranoid about, you know, if someone's like genuine or not. Interesting. And so that makes me like not open up to people because mm. I'm like, damn, this sounds like a classic thing, but it's like, would you be around? If if I didn't have all this shit going on. If I wasn't, like, yeah, doing cool stuff. And that extends, like, beyond dating. That's just, like, all of social life. Mm. But I'm taking it slow. Like, I have a lot on my plate. Like, I have this movie coming out. I have the tour. I'm working on a cartoon. I definitely have put the whole love life thing in the backseat. Yeah. Until I'm, like, satisfied with other stuff, you know? (laughs) Because love can crash and burn, but if you make awesome stuff, that's forever. You know, if you put your passion into a project,
0: that's going to outlive you. When also I notice my passion, my work can't hurt me. Like at a level, you know, like my work can't. My my work is always. I know exactly what it's going to be. I know the return it's going to give me. It can't affect me. Emo, you know, it can, but it's not going to have the same effect as as a loving somebody or something like that. You know. Yeah. Anyway, that's kind of a fucking big reach, but... It's not going to go on your phone while you're sleeping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My job's not going to go on my phone while I'm sleeping. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Also,
1: it's like, I feel like if you do date people in this position, like, they assume that you're, like, hella unfaithful when you're not. Oh, interesting. You know what I mean? Like... (laughs)
0: yeah i think that's probably true a lot of times if i meet a girl the first thing you ever say is i bet you know girls all (laughs) over
1: and i could spend like two days with someone like have the best time yeah and they're like i'm just one of many i'm like no no that's not even true yeah (laughs) like you have the best like have like a honeymoon basically yeah (laughs) Yeah. the last thing they say is like all right i'll see you in a month (laughs) never i'm like man yeah they but, but I, I
0: guess that's an accurate thing for somebody if you're just kind of also we pass through town guys like us pass through town you know yeah and we're tit grifters you know <laughs> and that is yeah. something and some of that's first of all okay we've also created this ambiance in the world like it's not like I get a lot of dims from women They're like let's fuck let me see that penis hole no I way get, oh I swear okay dude the stuff I got let me see that dick hole or whatever <laughs> or, you know just crazy yeah <sighs> Uh, like what? Yeah. I didn't. Even, so it's like there's women out there trying to get you to stop by as well. Yeah, and there's nothing inhuman about it. I yeah. seen. I've been at the zoo before. Animal walk across the cage. Fuck another animal. I don't even know them mm-hmm. yeah. or her. They did not even look. Yeah, and then they go back, dude. They, they go back to whatever the dog food or whatever. They give them yeah. all dog food. You notice
1: that at the zoo? I didn't know that, man. It's like, the mo yeah, every I'm like everything eats dog food. Yeah, I try to avoid like um doing that type of thing though like for tour like when I'm on tour I just like to work finish the show do the meet and greet and just keep it pushing because I I gotta watch the ego too you know and there's no like worse way there's no worse thing for your ego than like being surrounded by surrounding yourself with like fans or people in your DMs like saying shit like that Yeah, you know because you just develop a complex where I, I haven't developed it but my biggest fear is thinking that I'm better than other people Mm. or that I have more value than just random garbage man or something.
0: Well, and also in your ego can grow without you even knowing it. That's what's even scary. Yeah. The ego, like a damn moss, bro.
1: Yeah. That thing, it grows at night. Yeah. Also the weirdest shit is like in the regular world, people are attracted to like being like athletic and like funny. Whereas if like in the media world or in like the LA world, it's like who, you know, and stuff.
0: Yeah yeah it's different man it's interesting well you're certainly on a journey bro and i appreciate you coming in and just kind of spending some time with us and just you know getting to know you better man and 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 learn about kind of some of the stuff that's made you tick and yeah dude damn yeah the sky's the limit dude um one last question do you think about like
1: uh your do you think that there's still good journalism out there oh so much man that's one comment that i get on my videos that i don't like as people always say the last journalist or something like that. Like, no, man, I'm heavily inspired by Louis Thoreau, by Daily Show correspondents, by like Sasha Baron Cohen, people, my, I'm, you know, by Vice when I was in high school was the shit. Yeah, Vice was so fire when it first came out yeah, before it got like bought. The old school days when yeah. it was like, like the interviews with General Butt Naked in Liberia yeah. you know, and shit where you're like, oh my God, like I want to be doing stuff like this. I only hope that I can create and inspire like more journalists, more civilian independent journalists to go out there and get like the real take. But I feel like I watch interviews that are dope all the time. I watch interviews all day on YouTube and I'm just LOLing. Dang. That's cool. But the hard part is like, you know, there's too many interviews now. Yeah. You feel that way? Yeah. Yeah. As we're doing an interview, we're saying it. Yeah. Like I'm saying stick, there's too much. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I try, I try less and less. I realize more. I just want to have a chat.
1: Yeah. There's just too many. Like on YouTube, like it, I, maybe it's an algorithm thing, but it's like, Could be. it's definitely an algorithm thing, but no, man, I mean, I I want to do this forever Yeah, and I, I don't, I'm not mad at anyone. Yeah. I'm curious, bro. I'm curious to
0: see where, yeah, I'm curious to see where you, where you take it, man. You're so creative and it's fun. It's fun to listen to and it's fun to learn and, and see what you're doing, man. I
1: appreciate your time, Andrew. Yeah, dude. It's been sick being on. I like the, it's just you and me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I see why you like a more one-on-one podcast style.
0: Yeah. It makes me feel more comfortable. I can be myself. Mm -hmm. I can try to learn more about the person. Yeah. Um, And yeah, I don't know. Sometimes you go through times in your life where you feel like I need to evolve and I don't know how to do that right now. Mm -hmm. And so I need to take a step back and see what do I do? Yeah. I wanted to ask you, who's like your dream uh, podcast guest? Mm, we had Lil Boosie on. I would like to have him again. So good, dude. Yeah, I like Boosie, man, because he's so he's so real and un uncut, but also trying to figure shit out. You know, <laughs> you guys are just pure Louisiana too, bro. Yeah, I love Boosie. <laughs> Who else, dude? There's a Senator John Kennedy. I think his name is from Louisiana. No, what's his name?
1: Uh, from Louisiana, John Bell Edwards. No, that guy. That, that would be a terrible like a interview. Yeah. I think it, like, <laughs> that's, the, yeah, go, I think that's the governor. John Neely Kennedy. Yeah.
0: yeah, there's this other dude from Louisiana. I want to get that dude from Louisiana that does those crazy videos. If you're a criminal up in our town. Oh, I know? didn't know that was, I
1: thought Louisiana. was Florida. That's oh, Louisiana? I gotta guess
0: Louisiana. It's got to be
1: Shreveport or some shit. Yeah, this
0: dude says some wild. He just like has great sound bites. I would love to sit and chat with him. That guy hates crime. You can look at him and just tell <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: all types true. of crime, dude. <laughs> You park in the yellow. He's on your ass. Oh, that's true. He does that. He fucking has that most. He has that hall monitor vibe. Right? <laughs> he does. I can literally like, picture a young
0: him. Who else is somebody I would love to really interview, man? Uh, Me and J.J. Watt, I think, would be real interesting. Um, Oh, I wanted to interview Mystical so bad, and he just got arrested again. For the same type of shit? I know. Really? Damn. He just can't stop being a fucking bad man. It that broke that broke my heart because I was so I kept reaching out to him. I even DM'd him a couple times. Yeah. We've been messaging. And uh and and he did, and then he got then he got busted. So if he ever gets out, I would like to I would love to get to chat with him. How about
1: NBA Youngboy? Would you do that? Yeah, it'd be fire. It's a hard one to get. I've been trying to get it for a long time. Have you? Yeah, he's hard.
0: Yeah, I was curious as to how you go about your guests. Do you use publicists and reach out? Do you use just different avenues? Just personally. Check in with people? Yeah. Yeah. Trey Young, I think it would be real cool. I'd like to get him from Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, that would be good. He just seemed like an interesting guy. I got to rewatch your interview
1: with Boosie, man. That's was one of my favorite my favorite podcasts you've ever done.
0: It was fun, man. We had to give we had to give him a huge bag of weed and Ooh. like uh a couple grand, you know, to show up. That's not too bad. How what, much that? weed, a couple ounces of weed? It was a no, it was like this much weed. Like a pound of weed. Yeah, pound, yeah. <laughs> it was it was a uh, yeah, yeah, it was a good amount. That's a lot of weed. It was. That's thousands of dollars worth of weed. Yeah, yeah, we had a, we had a, we had to spend a lot of money on weed, bro. And the best was afterwards. He would go outside. He was dancing in the parking lot, and he opens up this SUV. Like <laughs> two of these like red bone chicks get out of there, dude. And uh, fucking like one of his hair was
1: like stuck in the seatbelt. Just like fucking, But they've all been there just smoking and partying. Bro, have you seen how he asks his fans for random shit on the road? <laughs> He's like, who in Atlanta has a Pontiac <laughs> GT? He's like, I need a Pontiac GT rental car with no, with good tags. And he's like, email my manager. And like the next thing you know, it's some family. Like, what up, Boosie? And he's like, appreciate it, man. He's he like, oh, you should look up when you get home. Boosie asking fans for things <laughs> yeah, on Instagram. It's yeah, like a 20-minute right. compilation. I love
0: that, man. What are some groups you want to get into, man? Are there some outlier groups you don't even know exist yet, I'm
1: sure? Uh, huh? The adult baby community. Oh, really? Or they call it the age play community. Mm. People who pretend to be babies, you know, get get caretakers to read them bedtime stories. Some some go as far as getting Mm. their diaper changed and such. Wow. I could see that, man. It's important. Yeah, that's a good one. I interviewed an adult baby at Folsom Street Fair in San Francisco two weeks ago. Super cool dude. Hmm. You'll see it. Yeah. He was just like, had a terrible childhood, didn't get to experience being a kid. And then he just walks around in a diaper, room, a binky.
0: Damn. That's pretty gangster. Yeah, there's some definitely unique groups out there, man. I'm, I'm curious because a lot of them we learned through you, man. For real. You know? Like my favorite part on those jizz wizard dudes was when they had the one dude that busted out like a real, you know, he had that Rorschach test and the other dude just had that little jizz on the paper. You You're know? talking
1: about the different coloration between Will and Brian's semen on the paper? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Brian's was extremely dark. Yeah. Like orange. Like, Minute Maid style is disgusting. I mean, I don't want to say disgusting. Brian, if you're watching this, it's more Halloween. I don't think your ejaculate is disgusting. However, I would suggest you consult your primary care physician as to why it's so discolored. It's pumpkin spice. Everything's
0: pumpkin. Like It's just that time of year, too. You like Halloween? Oh, yeah. What are you going to be? Mm, I don't know. I might do something else. It's your farmer or something. Yeah. You know, take it pretty easy. What you got? Michael
1: Myers? I'm just going to minion it. Really? Yeah, just like paint my whole body yellow and wear the goggles and speak that whatever like hybrid of uh, sp- Spanish and Italian. Yeah, Minions good, man. That's a great
0: idea, actually. Yeah, shout out to the Minions. Honestly, it, that movie was fire as hell. It's uh, That whole series is so great, man. I went and saw Zach Bryan the other night. Have you ever seen him? No, is he involved in Minions? No, he's just a yeah. musician. But it was awesome. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Yeah, it just reminded me how great it is to go see live music. Live anything, this makes you feel, you know, you're like, oh, this is. And it, it reminds your brain that you can do different things, you know? Sometimes we, you don't get enough real input, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah. It's like you don't get enough actual performance. And input. they only, you know, praise you for the one thing they know you're good at. Like, yeah. Theo, you're so funny. They're right, like but Theo, then. Theo, you're an amazing athlete and you're great at fucking listening to music.
0: But then my brain forgets those other things. So if I, I got to go out and have real
1: experiences. Yeah. yeah. So. You know what people always ask, say to me, which is hella weird? Huh. They go, how do you find all these crazy ass people? I'm like everyone is insane. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> Yeah, bro. I'm like dude, you, when's the last time you talked to a person? Yeah. <laughs> you know, people we got problems. Everyone's got serious stuff going on, you know. We're, we're like man, warped, bro. dude. We're, we're like in the we're like in the matrix.
0: We're out here. We are, man. We're freaking out here. I'm happy to uh, spend time with you In the Matrix today Andrew Callahan man Best of luck on the tour We'll put it in the link And everything like that Oh for real? Yeah Sick
1: dude This is gonna
0: be tight So cool I appreciate it I know you weren't feeling well I appreciate you making the time Yeah man
1: Hell yeah Hope to see everyone on tour man
0: Yeah man We'll come out when you're in Nashville I'll come out For real? Yeah For Nashville or LA So we'll do it That'll be so sick Thanks guys
1: Now I'm just floating on the breeze And I feel I'm falling Like these leaves I must be on a stone. Oh, but when I reach that ground, I'll share this piece of I, found. I can feel it in my bones. But it's gonna take Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Jonathan Kite and welcome to Kite Club, a podcast where I'll be sharing thoughts on things like current events, stand-up stories, and seven ways to pleasure your partner. The answer may shock you. Sometimes I'll interview my friends. Sometimes I won't. And as always, I'll be joined by the voices in my head. You have three new voice messages. A lot of people are talking about Kite Club. I've been talking about Kite Club for so long. Longer than anybody else. So great. Aye, sueya. Here's it deal. Anyone who doesn't
0: listen to Kite Club is a dodgy bloody wanker. Do you know what I mean? Hi, I'll take a quarter pounder with cheese and a McFlurry.
1: Sorry, sir,
0: but our ice cream machine is broken. (laughs) Oh, no.
1: I think Tom Hanks just butt dialed me. Anyway, first rule of Kite Club is tell everyone about Kite Club. Second rule of Kite Club is tell everyone about Kite Club. Third rule, like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts or watch us on YouTube. Yeah. And yes, don't worry. My Brad Pitt impression will get better.